Enter the world where daytime animation reigns in the world of Batman the Animated Series. Using stunning visuals and outstanding storytelling, a series that redefined a heroic legend through style and mythos, giving the world the definitive Cape Crusader. With your co-hosts Vicky Ray, Joe Randazzle, Greg Johnson, David Grant, Matthew Rose, and Keith Shago as they unmask the ultimate superhero, Batman, the animated series as explored by the Literary License Podcast. Legends podcast and it's Batman week. We'll be discussing four episodes of Batman. And before we get started, let's find out who's with us. We got special guest Mark Krawcheck with us. Hello, Mark. Hello. Happy to be here. It's an it's an honor. Uh, I'm a big Batman fan. Animated series is probably my favorite cartoon of all time. So um, happy to talk Excellent. about it. And we got Vicky Ray with us. Hello, Vicky. Hi, everybody. And Joe Randazzle. Hey everyone, Sean Stefan. Hey everybody, and I'm your host Kishago. Before we get started, let's find out what we've been up to. Let's start off with you, Mark. What have you been up to? <laughs> uh, pre- preparing the year for our 10th anniversary for our podcast. So uh, you know, outlining that and uh, doing a number of indie movie reviews, which I always do, lining up a couple interviews. So uh, yeah, keeping busy already, kicking off uh, 2023. Uh, with that, watching uh, watching films, trying to catch up with a few of the 2022 films before the Oscars are uh, announced. So, uh, but yeah, I'm a big indie movie guy, so I'm watching usually a lot more of that than wide release stuff. But basically, that's what I've been doing. <laughs> <laughs> and what about yourself, Joe? What have you been up to since last time we spoke to you? Uh, it's been so, it's it's actually been weirdly a long time since we like I think it was Christmas Eve was the last time. We uh, or uh, the week of Christmas. Uh, I was actually just on March podcast uh, earlier this week. We were discussing Murder on the Orient Express. Uh, that would be the Spoiler Room podcast. So you can look it up, and uh, yeah. And um, uh, aside from that, I'm I'm taking a trip to New York, so I haven't really been going out and doing much because I'm just kind of trying to save money to uh, have for the trip. Um, Start watching on your flight. That's all I got to tell <laughs> <Yeah>. you. Oh, <laughs> right? Shit, man. It was a shit show trying to get back to Texas last week. That's all I got to say. I've seen the horror stories. I have trust issues. My plane crapped out, taking off out of Syracuse. Just died. Oh, oh. Luckily, oh, it was God, before no. takeoff. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Down. And then they won, and they took five. Just needless to say, it wasn't Southwest, yeah. but it was Delta. I mean, Oh. Yeah, but have you ever have you ever been to Syracuse? <laughs> that might explain. <laughs> oh. Actually, the airport has gotten a lot better since you've been there. 
That's because everyone's trying to escape since I've been there. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, besides that, uh, I, I decided on, on, on New Year's Day, well, after midnight on New Year's Day, I was like, you know what? I, there's a lot of Hitchcock movies I haven't seen. I've seen, I, going, coming into the new year, I looked it up. I've seen 11 of his movies. I'm like, I want to see a bunch more of them. So just started watching a bunch of them and uh, trying to stick to the ones I haven't seen. Though I rewatched The Birds because I haven't seen The Birds since I was in high school. And I rewatched Suspicion. And then when I was looking through it, I was like, I accidentally, this accidentally became the year of the, the, the woman, uh, the year of the female Oscar winners. Because I, I inadvertently watched... Uh, three Academy Award winning uh, roles for women with uh, when I watched uh, The Divorcee where Norma Shearer was uh, nominated in 1930. I, love uh, I watched Suspicion where um, uh, Joan Fontaine was not uh, one for uh, for best actress. Uh, what was the what was the third one? Oh, and, I, and then I, I threw on I found a copy of two women on one of those like 50 movie box sets. I'm like, oh, it's a DeSica movie I've never seen. I threw it on and then realized Sophia Loren won uh one best actress for that. So I was like, oh, okay, three best either, actress. Actually. Hmm. I, well, I, it was not intentional. I just, I just went back and I was looking at the, it is Oscar time. So I was looking back at the old ones. Like, oh shit. I already watched three, three Oscar winners that I, that, uh, and uh, when, uh, when we were doing Mark's uh, podcast, uh, Ingrid Bergman had uh, won the best mm-hmm. supporting actress for, uh, for Murder, Murder on the Orient Express. So it kind of became like a weird theme that I never intended. I just watched, a bunch of uh, best actress and best supporting actress winners. Besides that, not not much because, like I said, I'm saving up to go see my nephew for his birthday next week. Yeah, like I'm gonna give it time. It's cold. Hopefully, it'll get warm by the time you get there. <laughs> yeah, because it always gets warm in January. So yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I remember walking around with a t-shirt and shorts in February in northern New York. So you know. Well, that's after the meteor hit and the dinosaurs are about to come extinct. <laughs> hey, so you're only two weeks old younger than me. I wouldn't go there, dude. I will start squealing. <laughs> and what about yourself, Sean? What have you been up to since last time we spoke to you? Ah, uh, not really much. I've been dealing with uh, some uh, stuff in my home. We've had a leak in our bathroom from mm. above. So dealing with all that stuff has kind of kept me uh, in the house and away from the theater. But I've been getting caught up on a lot of 2022 films. Uh, I finally got to see X and Pearl. Uh, like, Did you like them? <laughs> I like them both. Uh, like Pearl a lot more. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, good. It's, it's a shame Mia Goth is doing a horror movie because she'll she won't get the recognition that she, she deserves. Uh, it, it, she she really she that monologue and that stuff. smile it's it's stuck in in my brain. It's going I'm to be stuck star. in my brain for the I'm next year. It's yeah. not completely out of the realm of possibility though. Yeah, yeah. I hope so. I hope so. It's it's going to be a packed. I, I looked at the ten names at the Golden Globes between the comedy ones and, and the and and the drama, yeah. and I'm and it's going to be a very tight race. So it, I I don't know. No, I mean I, I, the winner is going to be either Kate Blanchett or Michelle Yeoh. I right. think that's, yeah. Pretty I think much. That's basically uh, decided. But I'm I'm just hoping she gets a nomination at some point because when, when you're watching too. when you're watching the way Absolutely. they're all panning out, they're all going to either Michelle Yeoh or Kate Blanchett. Yeah. So but, 
But I mean, but, it's yeah. not out of the realm of possibility that it's I'll not out of the realm of possibilities. No. But I mean, it's I think it's just too packed of a race this year for and the it's nomination would be nice. Though, it would be. It would be. You know, she really does. I, I do love the fact that they did two back to back that we got a new one coming out this year. They've basically birthed their own franchise within mm-hmm. the course of what, a year, 18 yeah. months, 15 18 months. months. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's fantastic. I, I love that uh, creativity. Uh, I also saw the menu finally, mm. and I'm the pissed menu. I didn't see it in the theater. I am <laughs> so upset with myself for not seeing that in the theater. Uh, what a ride! That one is amazing. That is, the menu is great. I love the menu. Uh, <laughs> and working at a restaurant, I, I appreciate it even more. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think Vicky was saying she, I think it's on, was it on HBO Max? It's, it's on, on HBO, HBO Max. Max. Yeah. Yeah. It's on HBO yeah. Max. So you can check it out there. Yeah, I gotta watch uh, it yet. Sharon is on HBO yeah. Max now too. Check it out. I didn't, yeah, I, that I, one. I fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, it's, very it's, dark on, it's on Disney Plus in this country, so. Oh yeah, oh, the, uh, yeah. The, the star uh, part of it. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> we also have um, the only other one I saw was Marcel the Shell. Uh, oh, was that that I I don't think I've cried more watching a movie this year than watching <laughs> Marcel the Shell. <laughs> And I feel like a blubbering idiot. Well, I'm like, it's just this animated shell that talks. And Jenny Slate's got that like baby voice. So it's just kind of like, ah, yeah. and no matter what she says, it kind of reminds you of Rugrats. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it, uh, taking me back, it reminded me to the old Penny cartoons mm-hmm. from uh, mm-hmm. from uh, yeah. uh Playhouse. And it just took me back to that old child, innocent mindset, watching it through, going throughout the entire thing. And it just, it it's a movie about empathy and just love and you don't i don't know stuff like that makes me a sappy blubbering mess these days i, I cried in avatar 3d <laughs> <laughs> i cried but only i think from the head like, oh, my grandson's are giving me a tissue avatar, really i mean it's a ride it's a different type of ride it was I, I, different that one that I, one i it's it's fun to watch but it got 20 minutes into the internet or the internet it was long <laughs> it was, really it was long. i yeah. peed three times I, I weeped during this movie. I weeped during this movie, so I can't complain. Oh, okay. Five twenty-five seventy-seven. You guys know this one? I, no, it's a, I is that the one about it, the he? It, it, oh, the, yeah, the guy. He Patrick Reed Johnson was the first person to actually outside of ILM to see the Star Wars stuff. I saw the it, trailer when he was a kid because he wanted to be a filmmaker, and his mom got him a meeting. And it's it's a semi. It's a autobiographical but you know it's embellished of course but it's kind of about his experience as a kid uh growing up making films and getting to meet spielberg seeing ilm seeing the you know and i grew up with star wars two uh, two and a half years old that was the very first film i saw in the theater my parents took me um and even though i don't remember much it's ingrained in that impressionable age so at one point in this film, they go, hey, do you want to see the screening room where we got the footage? I suddenly got a little weepy out of nowhere. I'm like, oh, he's going to see Star Wars for the first time. Yeah, And I'm like, what the hell's wrong with me? But <laughs> it's, just, it's that nostalgia trigger in your brain. It, it just takes you back to a nicer place, a nicer time. Well, love or hate the Star time, Wars yeah. trilogy. That was, that, was, that was something when it first flashed across the screen with all mm-hmm. the words. You know, that was an experience for a oh, lot yeah, of us when I, here again. I had them on VHS and i saw them for the first time when i was probably two or three and yeah they they leave that impression on you and they and they will forever especially at that age they inspire so much creativity inspires uh you know just inspiration for exploration just mm-hmm. wanting to get up and get out of this place <laughs> this planet and go find more something beyond this world 
it's it's really a beautiful thing. Yeah, they're yeah. coming out. I think they're this year they're coming out with their next installment actually. They're doing I know they're doing another Mandalorian and I yeah. think Ahsoka's coming out. I don't know mm-hmm. beyond that what they got, but those two I'm looking forward to. You know, it's funny this this filmmaker has, has some I haven't seen the film yet, but Mark uh, de- describes you know getting to meet Spielberg. And Spielberg made a movie where he reminisces about getting to meet John <laughs> right Ford. Or, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it it it, it kind of pairs well. This was in develop. This was a film that he worked almost two decades trying to get to screen. Patrick oh. Reed. I got to interview him when uh, we covered on our podcast "Spaced Invaders" because he directed "Spaced Invaders," and oh, he f- okay. And that was like ten years. That was like no, not eight, eight years ago when I talked to him about that, and he was talking about this film then. But he'd been working on it forever and refining it and finally got it out to the public. And it's it's really worth it. It was really worth it. It's a lot of fun. Uh, coming of age for the geek in everybody. If you're a Star Wars geek. I'm going to check this one out. I saw the trailer but, and, I, and I just I forgot the, that it mm-hmm. was coming out. OK. It, it really, actually, yeah, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Mark. Uh, I was just going to say it really plays a bit to the nostalgia, but it's not okay. it's not nearly the nostalgia porn as Stranger Things by any means. OK, but yeah. what's fun is some of the camera angles and some of the shots he uses. If you know Spielberg and sci fi, you're going to catch some of the angles and some of the settings he has in here that are kind of callbacks to other films. And it's got a great opening of everybody getting bored watching 2001. It's, it's hilarious. <laughs> I, I'm actually Excellent. new to Space Invaders. Uh, uh, Sean, uh, I saw it in the theater when I was yeah, a little Sean kid. Here. Yeah, I was, I was yeah, telling I you about it, well. and then eventually it was like, oh, let me check it out. And I saw how bad the reviews were, and I'm like, this is nowhere near. Oh, nowhere near. No, it's nowhere near. It's, no. it's so it's charming. I, it People has a lot were, of love to uh, it. Like, like the reviews were so bad. Oh, like, this is so, this is actually. Do you guys kind of actually pay attention to reviews anymore after Sometimes. all this? <laughs> There, you know, I mean, you're going to watch what you want to watch. I mean, you're going to find something you like about it. We all pretty have. much. It's just like, the only one I like listen to is red letter media, but I don't really, or, or Mark Kermode, but I don't really, mm-hmm. I don't really pay attention to any of the other, any of the other <laughs> ones. I try to see them first, just so uh, the narrative and the YouTube, uh, you know, algorithms just from looking at the sides, tell me what I need to know about the movies mm-hmm. before even clicking on a review. But I, well, well, I know he, back in the day when Cisco and Ebert hated something, I normally would rush and go and say it. Exactly, because they hated everything. Did they ever give anything a good review? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They Absolutely. Gave, they gave, it would always be a surprise. It was always, uh, it I was felt, always Ebert. Like Ebert had a, had far more forgiving tastes than Cisco. Gene Cisco was really yes. more. He was of, the stickler. Yeah. He was the stickler, whereas Ebert was more of the guy who who liked his camp, certain camp, but he'd still like his camp. Uh, and he'd give a little bit more favorable uh, review. It was always more surprising to see which one liked it and which one didn't. You know, if they both hated it or liked it, you're like, okay. But suddenly you're like, wait, Gene liked it and, you know, Ebert didn't? What? <laughs> what about it what about it split them and it usually was some weird sensibility i know that i'm finding all these uh classic reviews of theirs on youtube and i found one uh where they're talking about apocalypse now and they were both split on it because one understood the message and one just looked at it as oh it's just vietnam porn (laughs) and and they're just completely split split on it you remember which was which i think Uh, ebert was more for it than yeah 
Cisco. Sounds, sounds about, yeah. about right. That sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Eber has to be a bit more forgiven. I mean, he did write Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. I was just so. right. There is that. There yeah. is that. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he did write the classic line, you know, you are the vengeance of my black sperm. So opens up here, you know, you gotta be a bit careful about what you're gonna criticize. Break that this day and age. <laughs> I, I disagree I with him super, a lot on, him, on, on, on his movies, but yeah. when he hates a movie like oh, truly man. despises it, he's committed. The review is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, God, I don't think there's a horror film they ever liked either. I think they 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 used to. They really didn't like those. horror films. They no, did he, like Halloween. Yeah, they did they, like Halloween. I'm gonna have to go back in YouTube. So they didn't like slashers. They, yeah, they, 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 more Halloween. so than anything. Halloween, yeah. they like Halloween. Halloween, yep. Halloween, they loved. It broke them up. So it, yeah. Mm. Although we did see, we uh, recently watched play Misty for me. And oh, there that, you go. That yeah. one is a weird proto slasher. Uh, we, we're mm -hmm. uh, Joe was introducing me to this watch a noir a week challenge, and uh, I was going down a list. I'm like, you know what? I want to see Play Misty for me. I never, I so they fell into the category, <laughs> and it feels like this weird slasher that before the genre even existed. It's 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 incredible. I love it. It, it is more horror than thriller, but there's always that gray line of what do you consider thriller versus horror. It's you know, there's yeah. always that debate, but Play Misty for me is more on the side of horror. And it's got the ultimate foreshadowing ever, I think it was. Was that was it that one or the later one, one of the other Eastwoods, where it had the carousel with the unicorn and the horn and the... That was later. That was, that that was, was later. later. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I remember, I you know, but Play Misty for me, it's been a while, but yeah, it is definitely a more horror film that might surprise people Absolutely. the interesting thing about it is there was not like a lot of the things that happened in that movie have become cliches mm -hmm. yeah to the point where there was nothing in it that we didn't already see coming but then it didn't matter because it was so well executed mm -hmm. yeah even though we we saw everything we saw it a mile away it didn't matter because it was just that engaging See, and, and you it's know, it's almost that, a prototype for Fatal Attraction, isn't it? Really? Yeah, 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 absolutely. yeah, absolutely. We were thinking that watching it, Fatal Attraction, all those movies. Yeah, I mean, Jessica Walter, she definitely has a few screws loose, seals, <laughs> a couple of seals loose. Uh, she's uh, she's up there with one of my favorite uh, crazy ex characters, I, I think, mm. uh, in these type of uh, genre movies. She's great, highly but even she. Her. Even her um, characters that she graduated into, like in the '90s and 2000s. I mean, yeah. her crazy mothers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, she just she just had that look that that look that would fit mm -hmm. the crazy mother look for movies. Yeah. yeah. Well, even like TV shows like Arrested Development and things like that. That, that so. little thing, crazy mothers. They need their own little box. And they need their own little genre box. Yeah. Are, 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 are we again going to like we did a couple weeks ago? Say we need to bring back psycho hag movies. <laughs> Psycho hey it's better it's better than you know our reverend christmas edition so the only problem is you can't really do psycho you can't really do psycho hag movies because of all the botoxing and plastic surgery that they have it's like they all kind of like you know what i, okay, I guess so you could do i mean you could do, do it in the is. apocalypse when all the doctors go away and they can't get the work done anymore or the people that have <laughs> overdone it are scary yeah, yeah exactly oh, they don't yeah. even look like anything anymore. wow so yeah. it's just like i could see getting a nip tuck here or a little augmentation here but 
wow, some people just don't even look like them anymore. Well, it's because they get that's because they hit the point of no return, don't they? It's like a little bit here, a little bit there. And Madonna, the I mean, <laughs> Madonna, <clears throat> yeah, what happened? Sure, what about, she changed completely. Sharon, I mean, what about Sharon Osbourne? She's hit yeah. the point of no return as well because she's yeah. moving back over here, so we're getting here on TV a lot over here. <laughs> well, there's a lot so, of people like Jennifer Greer, people get a nose job. I don't even know who they are anymore. But right. you see, it was like, oh, wow, well, you have to really look because they took totally different looks. Yeah, but, but outside of Ferris Bueller and Dirty Dancing, no one knew who Jennifer Grey was anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it didn't help her. From what I've read, it didn't help her, you know, down the road, you know, to get anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, that was one of her most distinct features. Yeah, that was one of her most distinct features, and she got rid of it. Because, if you yeah. have a distinct look, why get rid of it? Because you to look like everyone else. Society would dictate that females are perfect. Mm. <laughs> are they? I don't know. I think they are. <laughs> I think we're the superior species, clearly, yeah. because all of y'all got an affliction. <laughs> it's an affliction. An affliction. An affliction that we all got from our mothers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that, that, that Simpsons episode where Lisa's one, uh, Lisa's worried about uh, the, the Simpson gene becoming dumb, and then she meets all the women in the family. They're all like doctors and lawyers, and the men are putting putting uh, uh, putting colanders on their heads and rushing into each other and smacking each other in the head with them. They're like, yeah, that's basically it. <laughs> In a nutshell. That's men in a nutshell. That's yeah. <laughs> that would be fun though. See, you say that, and I'm like, you know, that sounds sound fun, like yeah. that sounds like fun. We're just gonna go. We're just gonna go out, put pants on our head, and run into each other. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's what we would be doing without women. <laughs> I would pay to watch that too. <laughs> <laughs> and world and world peace pervades across all the land. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So, Vix, what have you been up to since last time we spoke to you? Not a whole lot this week. Um, just, just doing my thing. I did watch a couple of I don't know you want to call them sleeper movies though, but tornado season's coming, so mm. <laughs> I watch tornado disaster movies. I get on a kick. I watched this one. <laughs> Into the storm, I think it was a 2014 mm -hmm. one, where like two F5s <laughs> kind of converge. You see that shit? And it's just like, holy shit, they're like massive F5s converging on one Oklahoma town. It's just like they're just totally, totally fucked through the whole movie, but it was kind of worth watching. I don't know. If you look, you must have seen it. You're laughing. That that's yeah. the heist was that was the heist one, wasn't it? Where they were doing the heist? Uh, or were they Oh God! Whoever remember uh, she played Lori in The Walking Dead. Oh my God! Oh yeah, okay, yep, yep. Uh huh. She yep, was in that, it, yeah. and you had the guy that had his, you know, mm -hmm. really heavy vehicle was just in it for the money shot. Yes, he yes, finally yes. humans up at the end, you know. But uh, yeah, I watched that, and then I watched Ma Maze Runner. That apparently they didn't make a second one. I got interested in the they first three. one, but they never. They never made a second one, so I don't think they're probably going to. Well, Maze Runner, yeah. Maze Runner, they yeah. made all three. Did they? Actually, they made a, yeah, I it's not a divergent the one that they didn't uh, make the, the third one, I think. It's called, no, they made a third one, Divergent 2, unfortunately. Oh, no, 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 it's not Divergent. <laughs> We're thinking Divergent. This is totally different. Okay. Right. Uh, no, Maze, Maze Runner they did. And then after Maze Runner, it was 
I forgot what it was called. It's not called Scorch, Maze Runner 2. It's Scorch uh, Trials or Scorch, Scorch Trials. trials. That's right. Oh, really? Because I want to watch it and I can't find it. Okay. Yeah. I just assumed they didn't make another one because I believe it was a 2014. No, it's year. uh it's uh Scorched Trials was the second one, and then uh The Death the, Cure is the third the one. The Death Cure is the third oh, one. Oh, yeah. awesome. I'm glad I said something. So that, yeah. that that's why apparently that's why you can't find them, is because they're not they're not called Maze Runner 2 or Maze Runner 3. I just <laughs> Looked them up here. <laughs> yeah, they're ones and that they, they just altered the the title for the sequels. So yeah, and they they that was coming at the end of the whole let uh, let's mm -hmm. let's film a you know a trilogy it, of yeah young adult <laughs> fiction. Young well, adult fiction where's that? Well, Hunger Games, I mean, blew up, and so Hollywood has that history of of you know replicating itself. So I mean, you know, Conan came out. You got all your sandal and sword and sorcerer films. You know. You know, when the young adult series comes out, it, everybody hopped on that train. And Maze Runner was actually one of the better ones. Divergent was was I know someone who read the books and they that, that those movies made her angry. Like, <laughs> like I haven't read the books, but I like the movies. But the books are always kind of better, you know. Yeah. Which brings me to Mayfair Witches. You know, I watched the first episode on AMC. I'm waiting to see what the rest of the series is going to bring. I was rather intrigued with it, so I'll probably keep watching it. It was kind of, it, it looked, you know how it's slow burn first episode and got to kind of get into it, but... And well, then the, the Hunters the book, the has book is a, a slow burn at the beginning anyway, so... Well, all of her the stuff book. is slow burn, Anne Rice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean Mayfair Witches takes. I mean you have to get through the first three hundred pages before All things start taking off. Colossally big, yeah. <laughs> but I was yeah. watching the second season of The Hunters. Remember The Hunters, the Nazi hunters? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. just came on Amazon. I had no idea that the second season had already started. I just I saw the trailer for it yesterday. It looks is great. That the, yeah. Is that what Al Pacino's on? Yeah. Al Pacino, yeah. yeah, they're hunting Hitler in South America. Yeah. And, is, and, and, Car playing and Carol Hitler? Kane was in it as well. Excuse me. Uh, yeah. Is Carol Kane play, uh, in it as well? I believe or? so. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it, are, is Udo Kier playing Hitler? Because I think yeah, I okay. didn't see Hitler. Yeah, I didn't pay attention to the credits. I, I just happy. saw the trailer. It, it looked like Udo Kier, and it looked like. But I watched the first episode. Udo Kier. I'm like, Kier just because I usually Hitler. see him playing Hitler and everything. Well, so. he, he, well because yeah. now he's so stereotyped, you know. It's just like, I know. It's sort you of like I was watching. What were we watching? My father, well, I had to turn it off because Asher walked in. We were watching Glorious Bastards because my father mm. had never seen it. And as soon as they got to the scalping part, you know, I had to probably yeah. turn it off. And then you had Goebbels doing the nasty with whatever. And just like, off he goes. <laughs> it's like, 10-year-old alert. Just, I had no, I totally forgot about that. And just like, oh, that was a bad choice. My father's looking at me. He's 90, you know. But he thought it was funny anyway. But... <laughs> Well, the, the, the news Heavens. came out recently that apparently the the original choice for the bear Jew wasn't Eli Roth. It was going to be Adam, Adam Sandler. Sandler. It was going to be yeah. Adam Sandler. Was yeah. it really? Did not know. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember reading in movie just, magazines when I was just a kid. Came out yeah. The last couple of weeks, mm -hmm. when I was reading movie mag magazines as a kid, and uh, and uh, Quentin Tarantino was always musing out loud about it. He always said Mike Myers. He always right. said Adam Sandler, and he always said uh, Chris Rock. Mm -hmm. was what was and those were the three names that i had always heard attached with it uh since i want to say like 96 97 i was reading well, about i can it laugh at that movie it usually it picks it's one of those movies that you can laugh at because there's always something i missed in one of those mm -hmm. movies sort of like i haven't seen it in a couple of years but man it it is, while, it, yeah. it's one of it's one of the best tarantinos yeah, it, it's, yeah. It's, it's one of the better movie. ones for sure yeah 
It's good. One, of, one of the better ones in a career where he really made only movies that are decent to great. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. there's nothing I was gonna say, full of decent. If His he, worst he's, movies he's, are okay. I was going to say he's about eight eight for nine or, or real or <laughs> top notch movies. Death, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Death Proof is probably the only questionable one at this point. Death yeah. Proof. Yeah. <laughs> and I like, I like Death Proof. The last act is. <laughs> is exhilarating with the, everything with zoe bell on the hood of the car you, mm-hmm. your your balls are in your throat watching that thing you can't help it it's one of the craziest things i've ever seen so and actually when i when i went to i saw uh grindhouse in theaters and i guess when uh when uh my my girlfriend at the time and i went we we were like when uh uh what's the first one planetara when planetara Planet every, everyone was leaving and i'm like wait a minute you guys don't get the concept. There's another. There's a whole other movie coming. What are you doing? Hey, apparently Eli Roth is working on Thanksgiving this year. He's yeah, he is. It. Yeah, he's. I just heard. I, yeah. believe, I will not believe that <laughs> when it's I'm in theaters. We'll when believe it's in theaters. See yeah. it starting because that movie has supposedly been coming out for yep. like 16 years now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, apparently he's, when I actually he's see turned it. over uh, the uh, reshoots to Borderlands, which he's been working on to, oh, I think David Lech, so that he can work on this. So oh. uh, it, he, I, that's was the story in the trades, apparently, is he's, oh. he's like, hey, look, do me a favor, do these reshoots. Now, I want to get started of 2023, on though, they got arachnophobia has got a reboot. I'm deathly afraid of spiders, so I will torture myself through that one because I love the first one. I, I love the first one. They had another too. reboot coming out. Oh God, what was it? Not arachnophobia, but I told you. You, you, you know, you just cursed yourself to Keith doing a make remake of arachnophobia now just to fuck with you, right? Well, yeah, <laughs> me anyway, so I might as well give him something that I can be comfortable with. You know, <laughs> he screws with me all the time. I mean, you should see our conversations. I mean, when we're texting each other, I mean, <laughs> there's just no filter at all between us. But, wow. Uh, there's a lot make of remake is because of Vicky this month, so that's Vicky's choice this month. <laughs> Which choice? Oh, Castle Freak. Or make remake. Castle oh, Freak. Castle Freak. I'm freaking yeah. psyched. I love Castle Freak. I like the big teeth vagina thing. I just said it's like <laughs> that, that, that made such an impact on my life. <laughs> it does kind of remind me of that movie Teeth, kind of, sort of, though. I always oh, wonder. That'll okay. be fun because we get to talk about Full Moon. We'll get to talk about Charles Band and uh, Stuart Gordon. So that'll be I'd be fun. happy just for I would be happy with a whole season of 24 I'd be happy with a new one. <laughs> 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 well, uh, myself, I haven't really been up to a lot. Um, I've been a bit behind with our editing because um, after our Christmas Eve episode, I realized that we probably should wait till after New Year to release that episode. Just so we don't, because I think we... <laughs> hey, it was we, funny. Yeah. I, I was jumping around. I thought we sounded okay. We are very uh, immature people, but, you know, that's part of our charm. Well, nothing's nothing's more funny than taking apart everybody's religion and stamping it to the ground. So I think we did okay. <laughs> Christmas. So, but, you know, but, hey, we were fair. We went after everybody, so we didn't show any favorites. <laughs> I don't think you know, we picked on the atheists, though. I think we left them out. Um, you know, I, I mean, as I look at it, I'm an equal opportunity racist. I hate everyone equally. So, <laughs> so fine. So it's like, very rare they're like anyone so we're not fine i'm um, outside of that not much really um still working on my book so i can get that out because my, my agent's bothering me about that so at the center like two chapters a week now so it's like, okay here you go but besides that not a lot trying to get over the january blues january is just a horrible month 
Um, because Is everybody really signing matters. 2023 yet, or are we still doing 2022? <laughs> I have a computer that does that for me. I don't really <laughs> yeah. have to worry about it. I got to write, write my first check to today. So, yeah, thank you for reminding me. 2023 on it. I just can't I actually had 2023. To, <laughs> I actually had to go back into IDM, uh, IMDB and actually tried to change the date because it just said that our January episode went out as 2022. It's like, oh shit. <laughs> so that took that took like a good 30 and 40 minutes to figure oh, that one out. Man. So that was fun. <laughs> so, but yeah, outside of that, not a lot really. Um, not working anymore. 36 hour shifts at the hospital. Good, um, well, I mean, it's flu season and basically everyone's on strike here. All the doctors and nurses and the ambulance workers have all walked out and all our postal workers have walked out. So everyone's walking out here. So basically the UK, we've gone back to the 70s. So now we're just waiting for some <laughs> decent music like... to come our way and we'll be back there. So <laughs> everything's a shit show these days. Don't worry about it. Oh, yeah. But I mean it is what it is. So what can you do? Yeah, it sure is. Are you looking for a graphic design that will take you to the next level or something that shows confidence within a growing market to help you stand out amongst the crowd? Amazing Designs gives consistent and on-brand designs whether you are looking for something conservative or you want to let your imagination soar. They bring professionalism to a high standard and they are able to visualize your ideas and give them that extra edge. Working one-on-one -on -one with their designers will give you a design that will live up to your expectations and more. Affordable, expert designs for all occasions whether it's logos brochures or whatever you can dream of amazing designs is your to-go place for creativity and hands-on expertise try amazing designs today contact them via email at amazing designs 505 at gmail.com that's amazing designs 505 at gmail.com or reach out by phone at country code 1-805-203-0427. We love them so much here at the Literary License Podcast that we use them ourselves. But I'd rather be different than be the same. And We're saying that, let's talk about Batman the Animated Series. <laughs> <laughs> Our first episode is See No Evil, Lloyd Eddie Ventrix is on the verge of losing his daughter, Kimberly, played by Elizabeth Moss, to his ex-wife, Helen, Helen, due to his past as a con artist. Determined not to lose Kimberly, Ventrix dons a suit stolen from where he used to work while on parole, which grants the user invisibility and also becomes highly toxic and drives him insane. He poses as Kimberly's imaginary friend, Mojo, and planning to abduct her from her mother, uh, while on a crime spree as an invisible robber, Batman must solve the mystery crime and stop Ventrix, despite the fact that he cannot even see him. So, Sean, what do you think of See No Evil? Of the four, this is probably the least memorable. Uh, mm. I it, Going into it, I was looking at it on the surface and I realized, oh, we got a little invisible man episode uh kind of giving me a little bit of parallels to the most recent movie where that uh somebody just from a dark figure from someone's past mm -hmm. figures out a way to be invisible and just to mess with people mess with and uh starts committing robberies the robbery sequence was actually very fun to watch just uh seeing watches float in the air and just disappear out of nowhere and people getting knocked over um Although I think uh, 
I don't know. I'm trying to remember most of it. Like I said, this is probably the least memorable. Well, of the there was a bit where he made the car invisible. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They, he jumps on it. He, he managed to get it because it's basically a kind of like a plastic that he wraps around himself. And once he hits it with an activates. electrical current, it activates it. So he it managed to get it around. I don't know how you're able to get it around a car, but that's <laughs> a little bit much. <laughs> But, was he uh, a deadbeat dad? Because that was the part of it. It seems kidding. like he he was a con. He he was either a deadbeat dad or he uh, was in and out of jail. And he just they all they said was he was a bad man. He, they, I they, think there's I think there's probably some abuse, but only because yeah. she's had she has mm-hmm. a um, restraining order against him and not able to see the daughter. So obviously some kind of. Well, something major emotional yeah. abuse or something probably yeah. went on there the only memorable thing about it i thought was like batman when he was trying to steal the little girl and he said oh hell no and that was yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know that was the memorable part of, of this particular one for me there's a couple of great fight sequences with yeah. uh, it, in the with him covered in with the invisible man covered in paint or just in the water and batman fighting with the, against the shadows and the trick of him using the echoes of the tall walls to hide, which which was actually kind of smart. Uh, it's there's a lot of things in it that were interesting. I just I think overall, in terms of the four, it's, I don't really remember much about it. Well, didn't yeah. it get worse because it was toxic? Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. The that, the, yeah, the plastic. It, it, the more he used it, the more it would affect his brain. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I think some of the animation was quite well done in it. Except very much so. I found that I found though that the because most of it's done a lot of it's done during the daytime, which is quite interesting anyway. I mean, most of these are nighttime. But I found the way that the in this episode mainly, I think it's the first time I see it, is the way that the characters walk. They seem they're not walking; they're kind of gliding. I don't know what was going (laughs) on with the animation, but there's a, a kind of a weird animation when they were walking. It's like okay, there's this glide effect. I don't know what was happening. So, but looking at the, but looking at like you know Batman on the you know on the car when it goes invisible and the way that's all animated. I mean that was quite well done. You know I think some of yeah. the animation was some of the best in it and to a certain extent. And you had a lot of the um you know the can kicking across the street and the streets and the the trees and the way everything is bending. Though one does kind of wonder if you're going to abduct a girl, how far away was this drive-in theater? <laughs> it wasn't that, it wasn't <laughs> that was far because she was ran back home. in the background? <laughs> it, was, it was weird how far away from the city they were from it. But Yeah. That was kind of weird because you'd think that the little girl wouldn't be able to get home that quickly. So he probably didn't go that far away. I was like, I thought Batman was going to go after her. Well, get her home you know well they mentioned they mentioned five minutes so the 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 he was only gone for five minutes altogether or she was so that drive-in theater was right nearby so you know it's it, it probably in, in a neighborhood drive-in theater so the little girl probably knew her way home because it's in her neighborhood because it's only five minutes and if it is only five minutes yeah, yeah maybe yeah. you know because they, they were, were patronizing about her imaginary friends you would think yeah. that she would be so patronizing <laughs> later on <laughs> oh sure you were I mean, talking to batman yeah, i would have sure been like were. really batman's here where <laughs> i know and if in the 90 if my little girl was talking about mojo i thought she was talking to one of the powerpuff girls um Mojo, Jojo. I mean, what, one of the things you do, and this is why one of the reasons why I just love this entire series, and it's still one of my favorite because it surprised me how 
how they're able to cover mature material yet make it accessible to kids. They're not talking down to kids in this entire series. I mean, this is, even though it's not that memorable, if you look at the core subject matter. Oh, absolutely. It, you know, this is dark for, for your kids, yet it's on a level to where it's not disturbing dark, but the kids may have some questions, but they can watch this and still understand everything that's going on. And that's what I love about this entire series is that yeah. this first animated series that they did hardly any of these episodes like talk down to kids or treat them like they don't know anything you've got a deadbeat dad you got an ex-con you've got a broken you know a, a a broken home basically and kids it's written on a level you can understand and that's what surprises me with this is you know the idea of a little kid being abducted in a cartoon and handled maturely too it's not like wah wah or you know something goofy going on or the kid starts throwing toys at him or whatnot you know doing a little home alone thing this is like she's scared after she realizes what's going on and yeah it gets sadly relatable for some yeah she doesn't want to get in the car the second that she realizes who he is no i know you're a bad man get away from me not even just just want needing to run away and it just Mm -hmm. immediately recognizing the danger of it all so yeah, I mean it there there is the overall subject matter is definitely more mature than you're getting on anything else <laughs> at Saturday morning. Well, yeah. I mean the I mean even the thing is like I mean I know that they're kind of limited but when you know when she realizes her father and then it's just like then this fear in her face is like so yeah. that makes you think like what in the hell went on in that family you know, <laughs> yeah. that? like yeah. Well, she doesn't really know her father, though, because it said, right. Mommy says you're a bad man. So it kind of makes me wonder if he really wasn't there a lot for her. Well, obviously, he wanted to be close by. Was it well, a control issue or was he actually care about the child? Well, I mean, the, the thing is, the mother does say that she has a restraining order that he is not, she's not, he's not supposed to be, mm-hmm. you know, what is it, 100 feet? 100 feet, yeah. Yeah. So obviously, you know, to get a restraining order, I mean, you, you got to kind of prove something <laughs> bad going on because you can't just go, you can't just like, oh, I'm divorcing you, so I'm getting a restraining order. It's got to be yeah. a little bit more riching that. So she like, shouldn't I she mean, remind you of a little Sally who for some reason? Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Well, <laughs> I don't know why. Little, I kept little Cindy Lou who's. Well, and, yeah. and another thing we've got, this is first season and they handle batman throughout the series kind of like the comics to where he's a little bit more he's a little more action here he's a little bit more angry here i mean this is a younger batman in this episode anyway you get the feeling that this is more of a you know he's more on his vengeance trip than (laughs) normal maybe you know and he's a little more clunky in his fighting too though yeah he was a little clunky now that i think back on it yeah, I, I, feel, mean, I feel like when, when it's an episode involving children, Batman gets a little more uh, vigilante. Yeah, vigilante, more, yeah, more enraged, which you know makes perfect sense. Well, yeah. because look what happened to him, you know, in his childhood. Mm-hmm. Who was there to protect him? So he probably, you know, the last thing up. he wants is more more psychological trauma that he yeah. has. So yeah, right. Well, Not another thing him. is this is before Batman, the father years. You know, once you get right. like the yeah. you know mm-hmm. Robin and Batgirl and all the other characters yeah. coming in, and then then he has become the more of the parental figure. So he's kind of like this is single Batman. Wild and free. 
<laughs> we also, you know, it's another one of those things too, where they don't shy away from the fact that Bruce Wayne has multiple girlfriends. Yeah, we're talking to we're yeah. talking to kids animated film. We've got a girl here who, you know, he knows the dad, and, or, or no, that I'm sorry, that's later on. I apologize. This one isn't. I jumped ahead. Sorry to the uh, other one but still i mean in general the, in the series we have a main character who doesn't always have the same female it is no he doesn't he's, he's kind of a womanizer isn't he? <laughs> yes but i think that's part of that. his deal though is to be a playboy to well yeah from you know but the fact they cover it in a cartoon that yeah was, you know, i know i, I often <laughs> wonder is this i mean i can't ever tell if this is a child's cartoon or is an adult swim sometimes you know because it's just like you know, for, for kids. I know my grandson likes it. He watches them with me, but mm -hmm. I mean, it doesn't seem like anything too over the top for him. Though. They they do a nice balance. And, uh, you know, this episode is definitely one of those where you've got the darker material, but yet they also have the goofy part. Like you guys mentioned earlier, the invisible theft part is kind of a fun kid thing. Oh, look, floating, you know, watch right. and all that. And then if you look just underneath, if you're a parent watching this, you start thinking just under that level of, well, wait a minute. Like you said, restraining order. She's scared. She barely knows him. Okay, this is, you know, then there's that other level to where if you have some experience in real life, you're like, yeah. Yeah, yeah there's lots of stuff bubbling beneath the surface. Uh, there was also like a really, like, I, I just thought this line was just, goofy and funny when Batman's riding the invisible car on the roof uh, they pass by these two guys and one of them looks at the other and goes I didn't know he could fly yeah <laughs> <laughs> a goofy line goofy throwaway line but it had me it had me laughing so it, it did it did do a decent job of balancing the comedy and darkness that we're not completely going into uh, yeah. into what happened Right. Which, uh, yeah, it was kind of like the the story with the the runaway kids in the sewer a couple of months mm -hmm. back, right? Because that one was another one where there was this the, these kinds of these kinds of dark undertones and Oliver's twist action. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you do have to kind of question him. He gets out on parole and goes and works for like a top secret place. He was just an errand boy. Well, he was just the errand boy. He was just delivering stuff and he just happened to find out what was going on yeah. there. So, but I mean, normally, know. I mean, there's normally you have to jump through hoops just to get, you know, you don't have any security screening whatsoever <laughs> at this company. You just hire anybody to be an errand boy. Yeah. It seems a bit excessive. Did you, to, like, okay, yeah, come on in. Oh yeah, guy. this new technology. Oh, oh, oh. This is cheap labor. We get, he'll take minimum wage. Come on in. <laughs> we trust that you, as a as as a convicted criminal, would not take advantage of this plastic that makes you completely invisible <laughs> to do something illegal. We completely trust that you won't do that. No, I did like the I did like the sequence with the scientist with Batman. You know, goes and investigates with the plastic. How uh, you know he is actually learning? They they show Batman is very interested in the guy oh, how you demonstrating. Oh, yeah. you, know, yeah. you know, and the guy once he gets over the fact Batman's there, he's like, oh yeah, let me show you. You know, he's like <laughs> just really. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm quite impressed that he's able to steal everything. I mean, you know, like if yeah. I went in and stole that, I'd probably be like, oh, I would probably be like, oh yeah, I got the suit. Oh shit, I left the watch back there. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> When the little girl oh, wants the necklace, is he supposed to be stealing the pearls for her? Is that what it yeah. was? 
He was, st- uh, he was stealing the loot so that he can pretty much uh, uh, sell everything uh, to, I guess, fund his daughter. I, I don't know. I, I, I think was giving I was, you an uh, opening, Keith. I, I mean, you had the I'm, 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 I'm fighting it. I'm not going to go. I'll try not to go there. But let's just sit there and say she didn't get the necklace she wanted. No, she didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Every little girl's dream. (laughs) Yeah. moving right along that's it beware the gray ghost <laughs> simon trent an actor best known for his past roles as the gray ghost is on the verge of bankruptcy thanks to his declining career to save himself he sells off all of his gray ghost merchandise immediately afterwards a series of bombings related to the old show begin to occur batman having himself being inspired partly by the show to become the crime fighter he now is goes to trent for help and they team up to put an end to the crimes and also revive trent's career so, Mark, what are your thoughts of Beware the Grey Ghost? This one's a lot of fun. Um, yeah. If anything, for the kind of deep cut when it comes out, if you're talking kids who may not get the reference, but the adults will, the minute the Grey Ghost speaks, I forgot Adam West was in this. Yes. So yes. I'm, wa- I'm watching it. And all of a sudden, they have it. I'm like, that's it. You know, it's just like that meme with Leonardo. You know, it's like, <laughs> I was like that. And, and uh, you know, it it's it's a fun one i and uh my son watched it with me he says he likes this origin story a bit of how batman became batman. inspired batman versus falling down a well and seeing the bats he likes this idea more of batman how the bat- being a fanboy <laughs> basically yeah with his and, own and, little gray ghost man cave <laughs> exactly i was you not know. expecting that though <laughs> You know, it, it, and I like I like that angle quite a bit. Um, and, and I like Batman in this as well. You know, he he's not just going at it alone, especially, you know, it, it, he reaches out when you get the gray ghost showing back up. Uh, he uses his money to get his uh, stuff back. And, you know, it, it, it's it sounds weird, but this is a very a, a bit of a heartwarming episode it's endearing it's an endearing one thank you yeah it's it's an endearing one you know it shows batman has a has a bit of a software softer side and and heart um and it was it was fun seeing them play a retro superhero of sorts you know with the gray ghost i'm like i'd watch that i'd watch that show i would watch it too i mean i'm surprised no one's even gone there yet because it actually looked pretty interesting did something with it yeah, you know, and and the the he whole kind of costume. felt bad for the old guy though. He doesn't feel it. He's been boxed into a corner. He can't get any other parts. I mean, it's you know, it's, well, you know, it, people it, like it, that. It mirrors yeah. that. It mirrors Adam so West no in a lot of ways. There's right. a lot of art imitating yeah. life with Adam West on this character. I, Absolutely. I have a feeling this character was a little cathartic for Adam West. <laughs> yeah, it might have been. It might have been. 
Well, did, wasn't around that time, didn't he, uh, wasn't there a cease and desist? He couldn't appear in public as mm-hmm. Batman. Because yeah. uh, yeah. he was making a living do, doing appearances just mm-hmm. in, the, in the old Batsuit, doing the Batootsie, doing car shop or uh, 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 auto lot openings and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And uh, yet when 80, Batman 89 came out, they sent a cease and desist to him. And he was at that point, I mean, I, he was doing zombie nightmare. He was yeah. doing, I'll, I'll, he wasn't doing that much. So sorry, everybody still remembers you as the gray ghost. That just, that hit me. Gosh, I remember <laughs> the original Batmobile just uh, being in town uh, as well, but the old Batmobile, it's, it's, been, it's changed somewhat. It's definitely got an upgrade in the last few years, <laughs> but Man. it's still a cool vehicle. Oh, it's still beautiful. I mean, it's, it's, it's only it's only recently where um, actors are no longer being typecast. But I mean, if you right. look all the way up to about two thousand and back, if you got stuck in a role and then, though it made your bread and butter for, th- I mean, Batman lasted for four years. That's yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so basically, no other roles because you're Batman, and everyone thinks of you as Batman. So no one's going to cast you because everyone thinks of you as Batman. So that's your career. And then, you know, so basically you're, you know, you're scratching pennies together to make a living, you know, appearing as this because that's what people want to see. And then in 89 goes, you can no longer scratch living after this. Sorry, you can't do this anymore. We've taken, we're taking it back from you. So yeah, I, I like the, the, the empathy that they have towards the gray ghost character. I, I like, right. there's the scene where he's talking to his agent and I, you know, <clears throat> when, when the episode's starting, you know, my initial thought was, okay, so the great ghost is the one who's now committing these crimes. Uh, at, at, you know, and I didn't realize that it, it was going to take that, that, that term. Cause then when you see him and you see him in his apartment and he's selling off everything, he's on the phone with his agent and his agent's like, yeah, sorry. They went in a different direction for you. Look, just hang in there. Something will come. It's like, dude, hang on to what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, dude, what do you want me to do here? It's the hang, last time you'll bail me out, old there. friend. Yeah. Uh, and he's looking at his poster and it's yeah. just like, like you're telling him. somebody who's got nothing to hang in there because something will come along. Man, you should be fired immediately as my agent <laughs> oh, for that. <laughs> like, yeah. you just keep telling me, I'll just hang in there. Something will come along, and it's just, what is he hanging on to? He does, he, like he, he's he's got the it's landlord on his door, going, "Hey, I, I uh, hey, you got to pay me rent. What, where the hell are you? Like, you, I, I don't know what what he's eating. If he's, you know, <laughs> if, if he's getting, if he's eating enough or or what. So. Yeah, it's it, the the empathy for the kind of the the starving actor who's you know or, or the past his prime actor who's just kind of right. shoved aside uh, really comes through in this. I really love that. I loved watching that aspect of it. Um, I like how they put the cars together with the whirring sound, and then he goes oh, yeah. and gets that particular episode so he can give it to Batman because I thought that was just really cool with the cars. I don't know why. Gives me ideas. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the villain in this kind of becomes completely secondary because. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no. Oh yeah. It, when you finally find out who it is, it's just it, he's dispatched I, almost I, like I, it's an I, afterthought. I don't care. I don't care. Get back. Get back to get back to the great ghost because that's the storyline yeah. that that you're actually giving giving a damn about in this one. So, yeah, that was. Uh... It definitely spikes a lot of empathy and compassion. <laughs> it definitely does because you feel but... bad, you know, just the way they have it drawn, like he's all black and white, kind of. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a nice, it was a nice touch. I mean, definitely he got that character across quite a bit. 
it does kind of make that statement that, you know, Hollywood kind of chews you up and then spits you out because Mm -hmm. we know so many stories of actors like that who had something that was a massive hit, got typecast, and were either stuck doing very low-level movies where they made very little money, or that's if they were lucky enough to work at all. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Like, you might have gotten absolutely nothing out of it uh, um, after that. So, yeah, I, I love that aspect of this episode. Well, not to jump ahead, but there's an actor in one of the later episodes that we're covering today that fell into that exact same pit until this show came about. And the Flash show that same decade yeah. brought Mark Hamill back. Exactly. Because the only... that this show revitalized his career quite a bit because until then he was doing Giver. He was, he was oh. second in, you know, the, I I've got this, I've got the vinyl uh, soundtrack to it. The nights, the light went, uh, the night, the lights went out in Georgia. Oh my God, that he was movie. a cop. He oh. was a cop in that. And I didn't even realize that I'm looking at the back of the vinyl. I go, wait, is that Mark Hamill? As yes. I know. I started watching. It's one of those rainy day movies that's just on regular TV. Yeah. It's like okay, yeah, this looks legit. But he, got, watch but he it. got to work with Christy McNichol. What more? Yeah, do you want? still though. <laughs> I, I kind of had an intake of breath because, like, oh, what has he been reduced to? You know, kind well, of thing. Yeah, but I mean, I, I mean, it happened. I mean, working look, though, you know. But I mean, look at but look at Carrie Fisher. I mean, Carrie right, Fisher yep. wrote best-selling books, postcards from the edge, so on and so forth. Right. And every time, you know, she'd show up like in, you know, when Harry met Sally, and be oh, Princess Leia does when Harry met Sally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, um, if you look at you know, you know, if you look at Christopher Reeve, Spite Superman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I love him in that movie somewhere in time. That's like one of my yeah, but that that that's before super. That was before super. Oh, I have that soundtrack. Was it before Superman? (laughs) I thought it was after. Yeah, it's before. Well, that makes sense. That was with Jane with Jane Seymour. Seymour. I mean, Jane Seymour is always going to be you know Doctor. The woman doesn't age. (laughs) (laughs) But what I'm saying is, is that but that's what happened. I mean, if you look at Barbara Eden or. Mm Or Hope, anyone that was in Hogan's Heroes, I mean, they were just stuck. Yeah, you're just yeah. stuck there, sort of thing. It, even, it, but it, even it, like Mash, I mean, Alan Alda said mm-hmm. he had difficulty after playing anything but Hawkeye. That everyone saw him as Hawkeye, even though he was directing and writing right. the whole time. Right. Sort of well, Keith, I think you put it on the head. Until recently, most actors fall into that, and I think it's just because accessibility nowadays especially in the last 10 years with the explosion of streaming internet every studio known to man out there especially if you're a known name whereas before it was kind of like well you're old we'll give you a bit part now if you're upcoming studio you want a film you want someone to watch your film this established person has an established fan base already it's what happens in indie cinema if you want your film distributed i'm sure joe could speak to the if you want your film distributed Get yourself a name who was established legend horror film star. Yes. Even if they're in one scene, you're going to go probably get distribution versus not. And I think that's what you have now is there's far more opportunities for these actors, even older actors in that, to get roles, to get media roles, to get roles that are different. Look at Elijah Wood, who did Maniac, right. you know, who did, you know, he broke out of that by doing indie films, even even good old uh, Daniel Radcliffe, he broke out of the Harry Potter mold by doing some odd indie stuff because there was opportunities there. In the 80s or earlier, not yeah. as many opportunities. So, of course, 
you're at a big hit. If the other any. thing, the other thing that's kind of helped a lot of these older actors out also is that someone who is on a lower level um, that's not making like giant studio movies <clears throat> could reach out to uh, you know some actor who isn't really in the zeitgeist in the in the mainstream or, or even making like like higher level indie movies but you're you know you're a guy who's putting together a movie for you know thirty thousand dollars you could toss five grand to someone who i don't want to i don't want to name any names but somebody who isn't no it's like there anymore someone who's like past their prime and you could get them to you know they can get a paycheck that way they can come out and be in your movie and yeah they'll ask you you know they'll they'll ask you for five grand but it means a lot to your movie because you could put their name on the box but i mean ultimately it's not what they would make if they were making something for like you know warner or hbo or or disney or anything like that but they could still make a living doing this they could still make and uh, uh other things like a uh, cameo uh mm -hmm. You know, you you know, I uh, a couple years ago when we were uh, nominated for uh, for a Rondo, I paid Gilbert Gottfried to do a cameo where he was telling all, all his fans to vote for us instead of him. So if you're somebody <laughs> who is struggling to find work, there's a lot more opportunities now. Mm -hmm. uh, if you have you know any kind of name recognition, any kind of name value. Um, so that's something I mean, that I mean, Adam that's West, good. I mean, at the end of his career was spent doing Family Guy, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Family Guy and lots of voiceover work. And right. From Family Guy. But yeah. And, and he made a couple of Batman animated movies yeah. for Warner Brothers where they were doing the uh, there was the one where they brought back Adam West, uh, Burt Ward, I think Julie Newmar. And yeah, Julie else? Newmar and the, Julie Newmar came back for the first one, and then the second one they explored Two Face, and they got William Shatner to play Two Face. These ones here, those are the two, yes, yep, yeah. So there's always that little bit of a, of a nostalgia bump, and and now with the internet, you can constantly be somewhere in the zeitgeist without you know just just because you've done something reputable in the past. So that's. That's well, like Linda Blair and the Exorcist. That was it at 12. <laughs> well, Linda Blair was another one. Linda Blair was yeah. another one that kind of, you know, went through that slump after the Exorcist. Because she just was, that was it, basically. I mean, yeah. she did come out with some, you know, other horror movies here and there, but. Well, I mean, Hell Night, what can you say? <laughs> I actually like that movie. I like that movie. Roller the, Boogie? No one can roll a boogie like Linda. But, um, <laughs> what's funny is the way this film ends is it, it, another art imitating life in that something happens or like you mentioned, Joe, uh, uh, once big name who may not be in the name or zeitgeist anymore gets to be in a movie that just happens to be a hit, like an indie hit or something. And suddenly people will go back and maybe look at their work from yeah. the past or rediscover it if they like that movie, you know, I mean, you look at what happened with everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, suddenly everybody's rediscovering the actor who played short route, who he yeah. thought his, he thought his career was over and now he's got a gold globe. You know, if you watch that, that speech, that's kind of summarizes what happens to, especially kid. We mentioned, kid you know, kid actors, you know, uh, you know, you mentioned the exorcist it, it, that happens. And it's like, you know, even even if you think about Star Wars, what Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill were like 18, 19, 19, you know, 18 so, yeah. so, so they're kids technically there. They're kid actors, you know, 
teenagers, but still, and and that's rough for them to get out of that more so than even a veteran actor, you know. So I kind of liked how this ended too on the right. on a very happy note. <laughs> it did. It was a feel-good yeah. episode for real. Well, yeah. This this also kind of reminds me of like nowadays when you find out like this actor I liked uh, from this TV show or movie 30 years ago isn't doing well. Someone will start a GoFundMe and they'll get $100,000 in that guy's coffers really quick. Yeah. So it's, you know, that, that's another thing that, you know, that hopefully, like, uh, you know, you, you hope that, you know, nobody ever has to go through, uh, you know, what, what like Bela Lugosi went through, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. You hope that nobody ever has to do that ever again. And hopefully nobody ever does. Um, but this is kind of there, there seems to be a little bit more of a buffer now. And, and you know, we talk about all the, 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 the ills of social media. This is one of those things that maybe is a little bit of a positive, because if if you hear that this person who you loved growing up is struggling because they had like a like a debilitating stroke or something. And now they you know, they're about to lose their house because of this and that. And everybody, you know, every one of us chips in a hundred bucks and it's, you know, suddenly thousands of people chipping in $25 here and a hundred dollars there. Suddenly you can kind of repay them for the, for the memories that, that, uh, th- that they gave you. Mm-hmm. And that kind of happens here because uh, we, we presume, I mean, of course it's Bruce Wayne buys back. Oh, yeah all the great ghost stuff and puts it back in the house because who a has the money to do that and b has the ninja-like right. ability to go back and back into the apartment and put it all do you in. think that batman not only gave a nod to the great ghost saying at the very end he's going I was just gonna ask. he was my hero like whatever oh yeah the exact same yeah. way he kind of pretty much said yeah no by the way nudge, I'm nudge. Yeah. that was a by wink way, that was a wink at yeah. great ghost let him know who he was and yeah and Grey goes kind of. He's like, oh. yeah, this is a slight wonder- smile, a slight yeah. look, yeah. And but I just I mean, mind, so- I mind the nudge, like we're actually a video podcast. Like I'm, I'm a good- <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I think this show also works because I mean, let's face it, we all have you know shows that we hold dear and to our mm-hmm. heart when we're younger, and we still drag them back out. I mean, I I spent Chris between Christmas and New Year watching Planet of the Apes, the TV series on oh, DVD. So, and the yeah. Logan Run TV series as well. So, you know, and I and I hold them long. You know, luckily there wasn't like you know seasons and seasons of these, so you sure. could pretty much fit them all in quite easily. But so not like Dark Shadows. Know, <laughs> oh yeah, that's become a that's a that's a thorn in my side at the moment. Can't wait till that's <laughs> over with. But we're almost there. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll dust off i'll dust off my uh dvds of the dungeon and dragons cartoon every so often oh know? my god i loved those when i was a kid those are great you know and and uh you know that's one of those where the origin story was the opening of every episode i loved i loved that i forgot that because when i bought the collection they had for like i forgot like echo you know whatever it was put on like someone finally got the rights to it and they put it out i'm watching the first episode and it literally they go into the first episode i'm like well where's the origin story i'm like oh wait the intro is the origin story that's right (laughs) it's like (laughs) i mean i guess that's another thing i guess we also have today as well is that we can now you know stuff that we did grow up with we can now Mm -hmm. buy and you know and And access immediately yeah 
thankfully yes i i I did like to see this was in 92 and they still make the statement about not everything being available on physical media though because they go to the film archive which i want to go to gotham and go to this (laughs) film archive oh yeah we got everything (laughs) you got everything except well except that we don't have the gray ghost because it burned down and we lost the negatives. But the fact that they went to this archive because not everything's on video was just harkening back to today with us physical media collectors going, yeah, you got streaming, but you know, it's not always out there on streaming. Uh, <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because next week during our Doctor Who broadcast, we are dealing with the Marco Polo from 1964 oh. and mm-hmm. all, all the tapes are gone. Yeah, they're just they've been they got lost or been taped over. So now we got like the, we got the like the director coming in, though he's sick at the moment. So we'll see how mm. that one works out. The budgetary but, um, way yeah, of taping just... over the episodes oh, just to save money. <laughs> it's, that makes me. Oh, my God. That depresses do the people shit actually out of people. do that. They, well, they did to, it with dark. They, they did it with dark shadows as well. There's dark shadows yeah. episodes that are missing. Because I had no idea. This is the first time I've ever heard of that. I didn't know I, that. Was well, that. Yeah. I learned about it in pro wrestling. They used to do it all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the thing is, is on TV, TV in its infancy. I mean, I mean, okay. TV came around in the fifties, but sixties, it was still in its infancy. And they didn't think there is no such thing as reruns. There's no thought like, Oh, people are going to ever want to see this again. I'll just play it once. And that's it. Yeah. Never never to be seen again. It's the only, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, sorry, what were you going to say? Uh, oh, I was just going to say, it's, it was only when the concept of uh, syndication came around that anybody felt like actually realizing, hey, we should preserve these, because if we get to 100 episodes, we could sell them out to the independent channels. Well, and the, that, you know, I mean, the, 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 the film studios didn't even think of it. They right. never thought of the idea that people w- might want to see these older films again. So they didn't. They when uh, the 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 fire happened at uh, at Fox in 1937. Yeah, we uh, like something like 90 of the Fox Library up until that point is missing. And when they they interviewed them about it, the guys who were at the Fox Studio said, "Oh, yeah, it was yeah, nothing nothing of value was destroyed. Just a bunch of old films." <laughs> I'm like shit, man. Oh man, that's oh, just heartbreaking. Everything like everything a Barra movie except for four movies were were in there. Oh, uh, the the first couple oh. of Charlie Chans are never going to be seen again. Um, man, and then the the, the studio that's at MGM awful. in the '60s wiped out so many mm-hmm. movies because they had no concept of what's made. That's so Zach depressing. That's just yeah. so depressing. <laughs> it really is. It depresses the shit out of me. But the uh, funny be- thing about it is, is that it's the collectors that kind of put all this stuff back together. And bootleggers, yeah, yeah, bootleggers. bootleggers. I I watched um, uh, D.W. Griffith's uh, Abraham Lincoln a couple of nights ago, and one of the things that stuck out to me is the first five minutes of the movie, the soundtrack is completely missing. It's completely silent. There's no uh, no music, no <laughs> the dial uh, the dialogue. They they. They, I guess, they found an old script, so they uh, they put sometimes. subtitles for what the dialogue would have been uh, had the soundtrack been recovered. And sometimes that's all you have to go on uh, w- w- with some of these movies. Like you know, there's always been the joke. Like w- if you watch uh, the Mel Brooks movie uh, Silent Movie, mm-hmm. you know, you'll see you know the scene missing uh, clip show up, and that happens mm-hmm. a lot now. Where it's the, this is well, the most complete version we're gonna get. That's that's it. Like all that's well, the left fu- of uh, London After Midnight is whatever's in the trailer. 
Well, I was doing, um, we're being interviewed for BBC magazine for the Doctor Who stuff. And, you know, and we did mention the Marco Polo stuff. And they said that actually someone, when it first aired, actually taped the audio off their television set back in 1964. (laughs) And so what BBC are doing at the moment is they're actually animating the audio to the audio. Mm -hmm. Oh, kidding. They've done that that with a few something at least, yeah. They've done yeah, that with so a few the of the show Doctor back. Who, right? Yeah, that's how they're putting the show back together. So mm-hmm. it'll be there. So it's going to be in this wow. animated well, uh, format. Yeah, Doctor uh, Who is a fascinating story of, of how things come out of the woodwork that were lost for so long. And then someone's grandfather will die and they, they'll be going through boxes in their attic. And all of a sudden they'll find one reel of the <laughs> of an episode. And it's like... Yeah. Uh, a couple years ago in Brooklyn, uh, jammed in a projector. And uh, I guess apparently somebody was uh, w- was watching this old Lon Chaney movie that's now lost. And the projector caught on fire. They cut off the film. And all that's preserved is the, the splice of film that was stuck in the projector. And that's all we have of this movie now. It's amazing sometimes how, how it just works out like that. Uh, and, they, tend, they tend to find a lot in um, people's attics in Europe of old movies for some reason. Yeah. I don't know. There's like, a there's a theory that a lot of these lost movies uh, that people are searching archives, like in Australia, because apparently Australia <clears throat> was the last point that these movies would go to, and the shipping was so expensive that the studios like, yeah, whatever, just do whatever you want with the print. So they're thinking that probably in Australia, be, because of that, and because the ship, you know, they were never shipped back there could be places where there are just film film reels and film cans and you're just going to open them up and find the you know find the buried treasure of all these premier movies yeah well my, i mean but it's also deterioration now yeah you yeah know, we're talking point. about movies that are close to 100 years old how right. how well is it preserved um sometimes well, you see i mean like, isn't that how isn't that how they found nosferatu I mean that yeah. was all that has been destroyed and right. It destroyed. It's such, it was such a miracle that movie exists. God. Well, there. I mean, what my a friend of mine works for a company that basically does repurposing. They'll they'll go, you know, where someone has a lot or whatever, kind of like American Pickers, and they go to these places, but they look for like uh, jukebox parks and pinballs and that. They do that. Well, he goes to this one place, and this guy just has his table full of film reels of trailers and he the guy says yeah pick whichever one you want so he grabbed a bunch of them he grabbed me one so i have the hellraiser trailer on film (laughs) on actual film uh i have the hellraiser trailer uh and he great because he knows i like horror so he said but he couldn't believe it he goes this this guy used to run a movie theater apparently and he's got all these trailers but he just had all of these in like canisters and that just laying in this warehouse and it makes you wonder that's just one warehouse and this was like in pennsylvania or whatever how many of those are sitting out there and you're right degradation not just film vhs tapes there's a lot of archive projects going on right now for vhs tapes because they're breaking down uh you know also vhs movies that were released on vhs that never made it to dvd streaming mm -hmm. blu-ray so you have these movies that are you know, they were just one and done. Some indie uh, label released them in the 80s, and that is it. That's all that exists in this movie. Um, and sometimes you throw in a movie, and you're, you're going to – it's four by three, and it's like, shit, that's the only version available, isn't it? Yeah. You know, yeah. sometimes that happens. 
That's amazing. And sometimes they're different cuts. They're actually different cuts from VHS to DVD when you do get them. You know, a little yeah. scene here trimmed, a little something there trimmed uh, from when they move from transferring from DVD or VHS to DVD or Blu-ray. So, you know, they're even different versions of the same movie. Not a lot, but if you watch it enough, you're like, wait, that scene went extra long. Uh, you know. yeah. It also depends on where they're getting, what country they're getting to because of all the different... Right stuff that you know each country used to have its own little censorship laws mm -hmm. yeah the nasties spain, anything spain that's in that category i'm just gonna watch just because they hated it so, you know. uh, spain under the franco regime uh censored a lot mm. so if you get like a spanish print from like the the 50s there's probably a lot missing because he didn't want any any uh what he called propaganda getting into well getting no into the, what they done what they did instead of um they didn't really cut things what they did was they dubbed well mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. or they, they so what, they so, what you, so, so sometimes you'd be you know i mean you still kind of get a little bit when i go to spain and see some of the older movies um and what you'll do is they'll change the meaning of what's going on just because the the, the 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 dubbing is the lines are totally maybe totally they're okay with sex and they're okay with violence it's not okay about what they're being what's being said <laughs> right and, but, but you get that but you get that you get that all through europe i mean italy's the same way um because of Mussolini and stuff like this so so in order to show american content and not show the american way um it was you know even in you know in, you know norway and sweden and in every country there has their everything's dubbed <laughs> Was it Cannibal Holocaust? They thought the director actually killed somebody in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he recently died. Ruggiero Diodato just died like two weeks ago. Yep. Wow, yeah, uh, that's true, he did. That was that was wild, though, that he actually had to go stand trial and prove that he didn't kill those people. And <laughs> to reach out to the off. actors. Guys, look, I know I know. I told you to hide. Get out of hiding. I'm, gonna, I'm on trial right now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I need yeah. you to show up in court to prove you're alive. <laughs> Yes, I'm, I'm one. I'm one of the bad actors in that movie. Hello. <laughs> Who's the, the the porn guy that was in there? Wasn't he all wasn't Robert he Kerman? Still, yeah. Wasn't he still doing porn at that point anyway? So yeah, he was, yeah, yeah, he was. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Clearly, still had a pulse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How much do you have to pay an actor to be like, no, listen, I need you to go into hiding. This movie could not have paid that well. No. To be like, no. yeah, look, I need you to disappear. Like, nobody needs to know. Like, we need to sell that this movie's real. And the soundtrack, <laughs> the soundtrack just stays with you for like. That ever. is a beautiful, score. beautiful soundtrack. I, I it love actually it. Actually, is. I I'm not kidding. It it's is actually... a beautiful soundtrack. I got it. I've got it on. <laughs> I collected vinyl, started collecting vinyl in the last five years. I've got that one too. <laughs> Cannibal Hall. It's a great, oh, it's nice. a great one. Yeah. Well, that's, they what, that's what they spent. That's what they spent their budget on probably. Right. And the, uh, and the effects, the effects are fantastic in that too. Oh yeah. The gore. They didn't spend the money just... on a screenplay. No. no. <laughs> I'm sure Peter wasn't happy with it. <laughs> <laughs> but is Peter ever happy? No. <laughs> I was just like when I first the first time I saw it and I saw the turtle, it's like, oh fuck, uh, it's gonna be one of these. <laughs> yeah, yeah, least, yeah it's they, gonna be one of they, those. But at least they ate their kill afterwards. Peterkills.com. <clears throat> just saying they don't exactly have any fucking like to stand on with the with the way they with the way they uh euthanize animals. No. So. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, I've got. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, carry on. Oh, I was just gonna say I've got a vinyl. I forgot who put it out, but it's uh, it's an animal rights uh album that's got like in between rock uh uh in between rock uh songs that are all about anti-violence towards animals and that they've got audio bits from like testing labs and such it's so disturbing i don't know i found it at goodwill for a buck uh, what's it called <laughs> um i'm trying to look up the 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 name of it quick because i did uh i did rip it how uh, unusual yeah, it is. It, it is so. It's just I mean, one I, of those really. So you're big, being lectured to, to, with rock music, and then you have to listen to tortured animals. Yeah, yeah, basically. But see, <laughs> I don't understand. Like, like if they're if they're against Jesus. lab animals being tested, why don't they just bring? Why don't we just test on them? Yeah, well, there you go. There you go. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't have the name of it. I had. I forgot what it was, but it's oh, just wow. this weird. It comes with this poster and How everything. Weird is that? It's, I've never heard of that. Yeah. Poster. Yeah, it, it has a poster. poster. <laughs> is, it, is it like a rock? A lot of rock bands like looking at like like a reject from We Are the World kind of put together <laughs> together with you. Well, I know. What decade be, was this? Was it seventies? It's got to be seventies. Oh. Yeah, no, it was. Uh, I'm trying to see if I could find it. Um, so they're all wearing earth shoes and no, you know, not like that. I, I forgot <laughs> what it was named off head, but um, yeah, it's it's just bizarre. But it was all about animal rights and that. If you can it, imagine just, it. There's a market for it. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, it was supposed to, you know, it uh, proceeds. I think were supposed to go to PETA. So <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> but it probably cost more. So actually, no proceeds went to PETA. <laughs> right. <I> yeah. <laughs> Probably just easier to pick your favorite charity and leave it at that. There you go. That's better, yeah. <laughs> Batman investigates a cult called the Brotherhood, founded by the mystic Nostromos. After hearing about a number of stories from his colleagues about his ability to predict the future, Batman finds out that the, the Nostromos is actually a con artist who was rigging near-fatal accidents to gain the confidence of Gotham's upper-class citizens, and he must expose this ruse before it's too late. So, Vix, what are your thoughts of Prophecy of Doom? Well, talk about your false prophets, I guess. I was trying yeah. to figure out, this guy looked, remind me of Rasputin for some reason. Do you think mm -hmm. he had Rasputin in mind when he was drawing, when they were doing this character? I don't know, I think the dark well, eyes and everything. Yeah, I think that there, well, you could definitely see the Rasputin look in it. Uh, I don't Rasputin, know if that's what they're Anton going for. LeVay, he definitely looks like Anton LaVey. Yeah. Parks. Yes, that too. He's got, well, he's got an evil countenance about him. Mm -hmm. But I, I must have got up or something or just turned my attention away for a second because I thought that Bruce Wayne fell under his whatever was going to give him like 300 gazillion dollars for a second. And I'm just going, wow, Batman. Well, he was, he, he, no, he did, he did give, he did give him, he did give him yeah. money. He it, did he, give him money. Yeah. yeah. But he, but it was a ruse to, to, to get into the club. He, he, paid okay. yeah. so, but I mean, it's called the brotherhood apparently. Yep. And, and, yeah. and I like the nice play on Nostradamus. Apparently he's supposed to be a, a prophet and he knows what's going to happen. And the only one that's smart enough is the girl that 
Bruce Wayne is dating at the time, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Or the only one smart enough to figure it out is Heather Locklear. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Who probably was doing Malrose Place at the same time, so that's yeah. quite interesting. <laughs> yeah, an uncredited Heather Locklear. Right. Uh, which is interesting. Efren Zimbalas, he's always doing pennies worth throughout the whole show, the whole series, correct? <laughs> Who uh, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, he's Alfred throughout the entire series. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it, I thought it was good. It, it wasn't the most memorable episode, like Grey Ghost or whatever, but I liked it. Um, it, it was a different different take on uh, how Batman was going to handle. I mean, it was a different kind of villain. I mean, he wasn't Joker for sure, but he was dangerous and he was an extorter. And he was trying to what? What was it that paper uh, about? He had the he had the fun. The, he had the model Earth from its cable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what what was the deal with that? He saves it. Uh, well, it's basically, the world's going to go. You know, basically, if you invest your money now, and then and that the world's going to go into financial uh, apocalypse sort of thing, and yep. so then these people are going to rise from the ashes of the earth and help yeah. save the earth by rebuilding it, was, it through finances. It was a doomsday trust. Yeah. It was like a doomsday trust. It was for a the doomsday rich. trust. Well, yeah. no one's going to be around to spend it, so I didn't understand <laughs> that. But I guess by the end it of it, was it, it was going to a ruse anyway. And no one converted to gold. It became a cash for gold scheme by the end of it, I think. I mean, how many raptures and stuff have we survived now? We survived pandemics, Every single time one of those happens, every single time one of those happens, I always make sure to post on social media, if you really believe the world's going to end tomorrow, uh, Venmo me all your money, sign over (laughs) all your property to me, because you're not going to need it anyway. What do you need it for? (laughs) Let's see how true a believer you really are. Give me your homes. Just sign it all over to me. Nobody ever takes me up on that. I do think with this episode, I do highly believe that James Cameron wants this episode and got his inspiration for Titanic. (laughs) I had that same feeling, this opening. I'm watching it going, wait, this was 92. Titanic was 97. But some of these shots, I'm like, wow. Straight out of Titanic. (laughs) Oh, that the, the, the casino boat. Yeah. Outside of a fat ass Kate Winslet um, lying on a table and letting her love of her life drowned. I mean, hey. Well, I'm kidding. That that ship, what did it take like 30 seconds to to sink? It didn't Mm -hmm. even, you know, bob up and down a little bit, but, you know. Well, even even the sinking, even the sinking went down exactly like it does because it bobs up, doesn't it? Same thing as it does in Titanic. A little bit, you never yeah. Know. Yeah, it was kind. Of, it was this, it was kind of a. It really was a doomsday kind of thing because you never see that many people taken out on Batman. Really, no. <laughs> you know. I mean, you get maybe one or two, not a whole ship full of people. Apparently, the super rich are stupid. Yeah, <laughs> easily, easily manipulated. It is giving their money to this obvious con man. Well, I mean, well, people it? give their money away to various causes, religious or otherwise. You know, people. There is always a market for somebody. Oh, I got one word for you: Scientology. Mm. But uh... Scientology. Yeah, somebody. Who was it that said Tom? You give eighty-five percent. You give eighty-five percent of your income to Scientologists. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 So and that's so that way when you die and you get reborn onto another planet, because that's what they believe in. So hey, anything better in this planet. I want off of this one. I'm done. I don't know if I'm I'm reborn onto another planet though. I don't think it's gonna be that lovely. I like 
Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead, Joe. I was going to say, I, 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 you know, somebody who likes a lot of movies that deal with like the old school satanic cults and stuff like that. This kind, you know, the, where, where they had the Brotherhood all get together, kind of, kind of rang a lot of those bells for me and kind of made that work for me. I, I think I Anton Xander Levay was still alive in '92. <laughs> Was he in ninety two? I think I. I, I don't remember when he. Now it's gonna bug yes. me. I gotta find out when he died. He was. Now. He was because I remember I, I read Marilyn Manson's autobiography and he was talking about how he was hanging out with Anton Lavey early in his. Oh, career. sorry. So he must have been alive. Ninety three, yeah. ninety four, around that era. And, so yeah. I mean, the look is a little bit like him. I don't think it's based on. Uh... Died nineteen ninety seven. Okay. Oh, there you go. Wow, he died a lot later than I thought he did. Um, well, a lot later than James Man- than uh, Jane Mansfield, um, yeah, or Sharon I, I, Tate. Or, 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, did he play in one of Roman Polanski's movies? He had a part. He was he was the inspiration yeah. for Rosemary's Baby. He helped. He was the advisor on that. Oh yeah, you're right. Oh wait, also, he, played, uh, no, he also, played the devil in Roman Polanski's uh, Rosemary. I didn't know he played the devil in that. I thought he was just. I did not know that. Well, he, he had his father's eyes. Yes, he does. <laughs> <Double> <laughs> rain. I have the devil's no. rain here somewhere. I know he was uh, he was the technical advisor on that too. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say though the one thing with this episode it hits better now I think than in '93 because we know now there's far more people who are you know well off of that who would buy into this because we've oh yeah we've seen it more so than 93 just because we have a more worldly internet and all that we got right. you know you have more perspective when this came out some people are going oh yeah sure you know i mean we know of cults but yeah you know this is kind of ridiculous now i'm look, i'm watching this episode going yeah this this could still pertain to it's today. Well, we did it's have a lot of cults back in the nineties. Remember Hail Bop? It was at the oh yeah, Hail Bop. Heaven's, 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 Heaven's Gate. Heaven's Gate. Heaven's Gate. Yeah. Heaven's yeah. Gate, yeah. I mean, Wait, but, they were well, the, Waco, the branch. Yeah. yeah, branch Davidians. Branch Davidians. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, but, you recently yeah. had that guy who who convinced people that JFK Jr. was going to rise from the was going to rise from the grave, and they were all gathering and giving this guy like. Like people's families were like, I got to get my relative out of this cult because they're literally giving this guy all the money we have. Like hundreds of thousands of dollars that these people are just giving away. Where is this shit when I was doing my thesis in college? I mean, seriously, I have missed out so much stuff. You have it, but you have it today. I mean, Kardashians, I mean, that's a cult. Mm -hmm. In a matter matter of speaking, I guess. Well, people are setting, people are buying into everything that they set, put their name to, buying everything. Listen to the, you know, going, you know, and you look at the Kardashians. I mean, they ruin every man they come in contact with. Oh, I, mean, that's something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like no, no man's crossed that path and come across on no. And the one son, no one's heard from him ever again. Yeah. <laughs> and look at Bruce Jenner. He didn't yeah, fare well yeah. either. <laughs> Well, I mean, they marry they marry sports stars who then get they get married to the, the sports star who can never get hired in another in another. Kanye <laughs> lost his mind too. Yeah, Kanye, yeah. Poor Kanye. Well, well there was that the, the, there was that one NBA player that was like a nobody player, 
but Kim Kardashian or one of the Kardashians married him, and everyone's making a big deal out of him. I'm like, dude, I saw his stats. He's not that impressive. <laughs> Lamar. It was Lamar. Lamar, Odom? Like Lamar yeah. Lamar, Lamar Odom was Lamar actually was somebody else. It was it was a white player that one of them married, and the guy like wasn't any good. I can't remember. They married so many people between yeah. all of them. I just can't keep up. The spouses anymore. And then, but the men always Lamar, go crazy. They've Lamar all gone Odom, crazy. Lamar Odom like disappeared. I remember for a few weeks, like nobody knew where the hell he was. Uh, let's see, Kim Kardashian seven day marriage, and that'll remind <laughs> oh, me. Oh, it was years. seven day marriage. I, I must have missed that one. It was. Uh, I think it. I think it was Chloe or the, oh, the chubbier one. It's the chubbier uh, one that was married to a sports star. Uh, yeah, uh, Kim Kardashian married Chris Humphreys in the NBA. It was a 72 That's who was. Yeah, Chris Humphreys. Chris, Chris oh, Humphreys, okay. yeah. <laughs> who I remember oh, my I God. Looked, I, don't I was like, I've never one. heard of that's this guy. And I yeah. thought, uh, at the time, I was following basketball. I was like, I have no idea who this guy is. And then I looked up his stats. I'm like, well, that's why I don't know who the fuck he is. Because <laughs> he's putting up like two points a game and plays like 18 minutes all season. That's why I don't know who he is. <laughs> you got to give those girls credit. They're brilliant at making money. Love or hate them. They are. They are great. At, yeah. They are great at making Look, money. Absolutely. You could, if you could market yourself and make money just off your name, fuck mm-hmm. yeah, do it. <laughs> I have nothing against it. Now think of the money they've given the plastic surgery industry. <laughs> Holy shit. Because here's here's the thing. I don't have to watch it. I don't have to watch keep no, or anything like that. So if you found a way to make money off just existing, yeah. go yeah. for it. I as as long as I'm not as long as somebody doesn't come over my house every week and force me to watch your show, I don't care. Do whatever you want. <laughs> Yeah, that one. What? I can't imagine what. I guess um, Joe, you might want to turn the Kardashians off in the background. I can see it. But I mean, I mean, it's another thing that's interesting about Prophecy of Doom as well. It also gives a nod to the Masonaries and people like mm-hmm. that as yes. well. Yeah, that's what the Masonaries. The are. mysterious society. Well, I worked um, when I took a year off to go skiing in Colorado. Um, I did some um catering work there too and they we basically catered this masonry event sort of thing and apparently it's like the do- doors had to lock and stuff like this so you're not allowed to go in there once you serve them your meal and then you have to kind of be locked away and wait till them to finish well of course you know Typically me, I was told not to go in there, so I went in there, and uh, <laughs> basically, and basically they were all standing around in diapers and stuff, and then it's like, and then like hitting each other with a little board and stuff. Like it might remind me of my fraternity actually back in those days. But, um, Sounds but like yeah, a good I mean, time to but, me. But the thing is, is like I mean they grab they they grabbed me and um, Donnie and Gary, um, who I live with now, he was living with me in the states at that time, and they basically they, they dragged us out of there. They dragged us to the par- parking lot, and they made us stay out in the parking lot in the cold in Colorado until they were finished. And then Ooh. they they wanted us to sign like this contract not to, to make sure we never told anything anyone know what we saw. And of course, I told everyone, and I didn't sign the contract. <laughs> but it was just kind of like okay, but. <laughs> In, and we're talking about, you know, these are like, you know, high-powered men joining mm-hmm. their little, you know, you have it here. I mean, the Mason, Masons are very big here. They have this huge um, place here in East East London at the moment that basically you go in followers. and you passwords and they got like secret, you know, you have like secret oh, entrances and everything. So There's there's the secret phrases and whatnot. My, my ex-stepdad 
he was a Mason. And my mom talked about how one time they went to a jeweler and they, there was just the small little Mason logo on the door, nothing really big or whatnot, but he noted it. And he said this, my, my stepdad, she said, said this kind of weird phrase and the guy called back and they had this conversation that sounded kind of just nonsensical, but they knew exactly what they were saying. Yeah. Uh, you well, know, we, so, we have that today um, in the, you know, the um, fraternity I was in. I mean, we still have fate, phrase. If you, if you see sure. someone else and they give you a certain phrase, you know that they were in your fraternity and you can like, but there's sure. stuff that, you know, we're not, you know, I can't remember half of it anyway, but you know, there's something you can't even, we're not, I'm not even supposed to talk about. I mean, right. it's, it's all stupid stuff. I mean, it's, I mean, I like to sit there and say that it holds the world's greatest secrets, but it doesn't. It's fucking stupid. But, but you know, and people, the thing is that people really still hold on. To, there are people I go to, went to college with that were in the fraternity with me and they still hold this long and dear to their heart, like this, like really stupid shit, like secret <laughs> handshakes and crap. You're like, okay. It, it always surprised me that, that, that to still to still see that going to this day like you like this idea of like this brotherhood like you're 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 going to protect each other no matter what okay yeah <laughs> it does help it does if you're in certain if you're in certain industries and, and you're in your certain careers um it will push you forward in your career mm -hmm. surprisingly <laughs> enough sort of thing my career never really went in those directions but um <laughs> you know i'm sure if i wanted to be a banker wanker i'm pretty sure i'd be doing quite well myself right now but <laughs> not the choice i decided for but you know but you know but they become but they these people become the rich and powerful i mean if you look at most of your presidents and stuff like that they're all parts of masonaries masonaries mm -hmm. and stuff like that politicians all that sort of stuff is all like a secret society Illuminati uh, confirmed. Skull and bones. No. Skull and bones. <laughs> bones. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, a lot of men. All a lot. I mean, look at them. look at the Kennedys. Mm. But, you know, it does, it, but, it, but it does, but it does give you a license to it murder. So I guess well. it does have its <laughs> 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 drive people off piers and let them drown and get away with murder. And it works out yeah. fine. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> but, it happens. If, if, and people who are listening to this if any of us disappear you know what happened to us there you go you know exactly what happened <laughs> Mason's got us <laughs> what Mason's are the Illuminati whichever comes first yeah. if anyone's Vicky? looking for me I live with Vicky Ray in <laughs> Dallas <laughs> yes but I am armed to the teeth <laughs> yeah. so hit me up <laughs> Uh, what what but, thing um, I liked about this episode though was you have this serious event of the boat sinking, and they're like, "Well, the kids are going to watch this," so they add the goldfish in the bowl right. in there just for a little humor. Because here you have a fish in a bowl in yeah, water, right? and the ship is about to sink, and it kind of moving back and forth. And I'm like, they kind of put that in there to lighten up the fact that this boat is going down with hundreds upon hundreds of people on it and not enough lifeboats. If you notice when the lifeboats are going down, there's people still on deck. It's definitely, you got to wonder about James Cameron. Now you got me wondering now, you know, it's just like, well, heck, is he well, watching Batman before he made that movie? I, yeah. I'm, but I'm, I have I'm, to sit there and say that the, the sinking of the ship, you know, basically shows us what feminism is all about. I mean, men and women doesn't matter who. No one was first on that ship. <laughs> yeah, there oh, were people oh, shoving everybody out of the way on that one. Yeah, like, first come, ooh. first serve. 
Hey, equal rights. Hey, here's a pregnant woman <laughs> holding another baby. You're going to get on that lifeboat? Not before me, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> here's yeah, a life preserver. You can like, float. There you go. You see, yeah, and you see that goldfish kind of swaying, and then you realize, oh, when that thing hits the ground, that fish is going to swim out and be like, ah, freedom. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I actually was worried for that goldfish all the way through. Yeah, I mean, I was like, "Oh, what happened to the goldfish?" Remember, <laughs> they go back to the bat cave, and Alfred's at wonders about his powers. Was Alfred might a little bit intrigued with the Stromos, or was he? No, I think, Al, I think Al, Alfred. I think when it comes to Alfred and Bruce Wade, I think Alfred's like, "Okay, Bruce, I think that you you go on one. I'll, I'll just." You know, I'll humor you just for good measure, but I think that basically you need a psychiatrist. Yeah. The one that stuck out to me was, that, was Alfred saying something about, uh, wait, you just gave away $3 million. I was worried about the electric bill. Like, Bruce Wade's yeah. worried about the electric bill. <laughs> You're full of shit. Well, you got to power a bat cave underneath. Yeah. That's, gonna cost, that's probably 20000 a month. That's a lot of mu- That's a lot of power. Well, and hi- in hiding that electricity boost, I mean, exactly. let's face right. it. I mean, it's it's electric. The big mansion, a lot of lights. His neighborhood, they're going to think he's growing some kind of drug lab. <laughs> well, look, <laughs> he's if marijuana. Batman, <laughs> if Batman can have a credit card, he can have his own. He can have his own electrical system oh. in Wayne Manor without oh. anybody asking. Oh. Well, technically, he probably does own everything. You see, you look at all the industry he has, like in the movies too. I mean, he owns everything. I mean, there's nothing the man doesn't have in his industries. Oh, there's, yeah, there's definitely all. And there's even by the end, of, he hides it. By the end of the movie, if he doesn't own it, he will own it. Oh, he don't worry. Right. Yeah. I bought the bank. Don't worry. I bought this restaurant. I yeah. bought the hotel. He yeah. does that a lot too. <laughs> you ever notice he does say that a lot? I bought this. I bought that. But then again, you see this mother, or you know, like in, in the prior, or you know, you had the little kids. But I mean, does he ever give anybody any money that's struggling? I've yet to see him whip his checkbook out. Um, he, he, he get, I mean, in a previous episode when he was on part of a chain gang, he did offer yeah. the the to two jobs, poor guys. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah. One is a one is a he offered a janitor job to one of them. I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's very giving. <laughs> He does yeah. that. There is the Wayne charity. Uh, it comes up in a few episodes in the movies right. and other. He there is plenty of charities. His his he also gives to. It just they don't cover that because that's not as interesting as you know Wayne giving three million dollars to a, a con artist. You know, <laughs> it's never about what it's never about what the Wayne Foundation does. It's about what the Wayne Foundation has just been robbed. That right. That's, <laughs> that's whenever we hear about the Wayne Foundation. Yeah. And it's I mean, always it's, getting robbed. It's, it's always, always getting robbed. <laughs> well, it's for everything. The Wayne Foundation has its toes in pretty much everything in Gotham. But I'm so. saying yeah. there's nothing the man doesn't have his finger in, you know? I mean, it's just well, I mean, got- Go- I think, but Gotham was actually built ba- based on the Wayne name, isn't it? Aren't they? The, isn't, Wayne, isn't the Wayne that They're like, one the of the founding fathers? He, yeah. Yeah. yeah, the Wayne Well, in this universe, legacy. too. In this one too, I think quite a bit is it, there's a there's a legacy with his family and just the city in general. I mean, I don't think in any of the main episodes of the animated series they cover it too much, but he's there's history there with the Waynes in Gotham and helping keep that city thriving. <laughs> and they're I mean they're old and they're old money as well, so therefore right. they're part of that whole. They're not like like with all that money, money. they can afford to clean it up a little bit more. It's just always in decay, it's dark, there's no, yeah, but 
But to be the voice, but, but be the voice of reason anyway. You can throw money at a, you know, at anything, yeah. and but for so long, but it does, you know, it's never going to replicate itself. You're just, it's just you have to throw, keep throwing money. There's always going to be poor. Doesn't I mean if you, right? You know, even even if you gave everyone a job, they're still going to have poor, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, and one of the running themes through any of the Batman material, animated or otherwise, is the government's corrupt on the whole. Even though, you know, you might have good guys here and there, on the whole, Gotham City is organized crime corruption. (laughs) So as much money as you might want to pump into, you know, uh, home improvement, the cost of that home improvement construction suddenly skyrockets. And so you can't, you don't build as much as, you know, but their fingers are in so many things. They can't just check up on everything unless it's suddenly illegal or shows up on the police band so that, you know. Mm That, that's Gotham for you, <laughs> really. Plus, he's having fun dressing up as a bat and beating the shit out of these criminals. So yeah. if you were to eliminate crime, that eliminates his hobby. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and isn't it, isn't Batman the real Bruce Wayne and Bruce Wayne the disguise? Yes. 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 Right. So I, that, that's, how I, that's how I'm gathering this interpretation of it, at least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to um, come up with a better name than the Brotherhood, though. I don't know why. <laughs> Well, he calls he calls the big financial collapse the Great Fall. So this con artist is not exactly, you know, while he's got the idea as far as creativity goes, it's right. It's, I mean, let's face it. If you want to do the big fall nowadays, all you got to do is get an EMF. I mean, just just do, <laughs> just do a great big pop, magnetic pulse throughout the world, and basically we're all dead. That's it. <laughs> They do use the it's term super fund, though, I think, at one point in this episode, which kind of, you know, later on, it means something different, but also <laughs> the same. So, you know, it, it was one of those things where I'm like, oh, rich people giving in money into a huge fund for stuff. Oh, really? So, Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, when it comes to the rich anyway, it's kind of like, you know. Yeah, they kind of hold the power in their hands, sort of thing. You know, it's all depending on how, you know, basically how your money's worth as much as they want to sit there and invest in the market. So what I just love yeah. is is how the 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 dad, Elisa's dad, who who pulls Wayne into this has been groomed by Nostromo basically for this. And he doesn't get any trigger warnings or anything until he goes, Oh, we gotta turn the money into gold. And then he suddenly like he's like wait a minute right (laughs) you know you had me with complete financial collapse of the entire society and us being able to use the money but you want to turn it into gold (laughs) that's too suspicious you know i would i mean personally i mean the the rich are not very bright in gotham anyway because as he's floating as he's floating above their heads he makes sure that he never turns their back on them because they don't. He didn't want to see that little hole, a little hook, yeah, thing. the little hook harness. So, yeah, so, you know, I mean, I I would like to know what those planets were made out of because I thought they might have been paper mache, but they seem to some of them seem to be made out of paper mache, and some of them seem to be a lot more stable than that. Yeah, and apparently, whatever it was, it's heavy enough that it would crush this guy's daughter. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, you had Saturn. Sa- Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say about Saturn. I think Saturn had like a, a buzzsaw written yeah, all around yeah. it. <laughs> it had a razor sharp ring for some reason. So. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, that's not too you know that's not too child friendly, is it? 
It's like, oh, <laughs> let me touch Saturn. Oh, oh, my child just cut his fingers off. <laughs> just touch the ring. <laughs> Go figure. brings us to Joker's favor. After a man named Charlie Collins, sorry again. This brings us to Joker's favor. After a man named Charlie Collins curses at the Joker on the road for offensive driving, the clown prince of crime corners him and intimidates him into doing him a small favor. Two years pass and the Joker finally decides how to use Charlie to sneak a bomb into the I'm not going to say this right. Chickenators <laughs> Club. Uh, I might be low, people. Where Commissioner Gordon is to give a speech at an award ceremony. Charlie, who merely has to open the door, is skeptical at first, but for the sake of his family, he reluctantly decides to obey. So, Joe, what are your thoughts of Joker's favor? Uh, I just kind of laughed at some of the, the, the tropes that we noticed earlier, like Bullock's always eating in this episode. Every time you see him, he's shoving some kind of food in his mouth. <laughs> um, and yeah, we were talking about that like early back when we first started the series a couple of months ago. Um, I, I found it so ridiculous, but fun at the same time. Cause you just, uh, you got the guy giving him, giving, talking to nobody in the car, Charlie Collins, just giving exposition to us. <laughs> he's just talking about oh first my boss uh didn't give me that promotion then this then this then my wife's making meatloaf oh it's just a terrible day for charlie collins and like oh that is that's for us that was just for us just so we yeah. understand where he's coming from just a typical <laughs> day in the life yeah just oh my life sucks it's miserable the best thing that could happen to me today is a super criminal kills me oh wait a super criminal's trying to kill me because i yelled at him oh shit <laughs> Sort of like unhinged, wasn't it? Just like if you're gonna talk with somebody, oh, don't make yes. it make sure it's not Joker. Yes, it was. Oh my god, it is unhinged. So yeah, god, well, kind of him. a little bit. So you know? long. Yeah, um, I saw it, it when it first came out. I completely forgot about it. But yeah, it kind of is like unhinged. He yeah. should have went with the courtesy honk instead of deciding to sideswipe <laughs> him off the road. I saw it more, I saw it more like, like Michael Douglas and falling down. Thank you. I was just yeah. going to say falling down came out in 92 and it defense like a kid's version. Yeah. Of <laughs> I, I, lo I love how he swerves his car into the Joker's car. And then when he notices it's the Joker, he says, oh, I'm just going to drive off. Like, dude, you already sideswiped him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're dead. <laughs> little Charlie you Collins. Might have, you might have been forgiven for, you know, you know fuck you, give him a little finger, but he's not going to forgive you sideswiping his car. This is... <laughs> He would have thought he would have forgot about him after two years, though. But he does remember. Apparently him. not. Apparently, the Joker just keeps tabs on everybody who owes him a favor and follows them around and knows their name changes and everything. This is a, there's a lot more method to his madness than we know about. 
There was like, a, oh, there... I know you changed your name, and I know that yeah. you moved to this house. And I've, I've kept tabs on you for two years. Like, holy shit, this is just a guy he had an argument with on the road. He kept these kinds of tabs. <laughs> and he just decided he needed yeah. that man to push that cake through the door, <laughs> open the door so the cake could get in. And we got Harley Quinn finally, you know, which I was kind of glad to see her entrance. But yes, yes. The debut of Harley, yes. But they don't seem to have any romantic inclinations towards each other at, at the moment. Well, it's, it's just uh, fandom. It's hero it's, worship. Yeah. 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 I mean, this is like, I mean, this is this is just like adding her in as an afterthought sort of thing. And of course, she would grow from this sort of thing. So this is like the first episode. So I don't even think they really had planned about what, you know, she would do with her. Oh, her, well, her I mean, she was just someone that, I mean, yet. no. Yeah, no, she was just a henchman yeah. person. She's just yeah. a hench person in yeah. this. Yeah, and, th- and the reason why she was added because they said, "Oh, wouldn't it be funny if she- they had a female henchman?" Mm-hmm. That's that's not why she was added. I mean, it wasn't even like it wasn't like a long conversation or something like this. Like, oh, that'd be funny. Yeah, let's do that. Okay, <laughs> sort of thing. Uh, because I mean, think about though, because but like like with the Adam West series and stuff, they usually just had the, the typical beautiful woman mm-hmm. that you know that was hanging out with the bad guy you know she's not kind of like that she's well, more interactive it's kind of like, <laughs> uh, like like jill st john with the riddler in, in the, the yeah. first couple episodes yeah it, uh yeah and yeah she has a, the, the backstory that we she says something about beauty school isn't looking so bad yeah. right now when she's getting arrested yeah which was like wait a second okay she wasn't they didn't have any backstory for her yet she wasn't a therapist wasn't a therapist who went crazy she's just that's right. who she is She's just some beauty school reject, and yeah, that's it. And I'm wondering, did she just catch on because she was hot? Is that it? <laughs> no. Well, she, she noticed she when was... they got her makeup on, her teeth are just as yellow as Joker. But when she shows her persona, where she's got the beautiful blonde hair and the blue eyes, her teeth are white. So I was noticing that going back and forth because red lipstick is really unflattering if you, you know, seriously need to brush your teeth. Well, but I mean, I mean, basically. She's basically Frenchie from Greece at this Basically, yeah. I thought about that too when she yeah. made that comment. I did think of because that. Frankie Avalon came down and she didn't listen to him. And she <laughs> <had the> <laughs> what, watching this again, I think part of the appeal was one you have a female henchman, which you don't normally get in a cartoon. No. It, it one in comics, two in a cartoon, a superhero cartoon. And second of all, if you look at the way the Joker, it's weird where they've evolved her character because right. everybody mentions here, you know, she seemed just to be fan worship. She liked Mr. J, you know, and yeah. ah, Ali, you're so loyal, you know, it, 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 but the way they play off each other. He looks he he treats her a little bit differently than his other henchmen because she comes off as at least a little bit more competent than they are. The other right. two guys they're with and he treats her a little bit better than the other henchmen, not necessarily because she's a woman, but they seem to be at least a little bit more. He has more respect for her because she's a little more on his level than his other two, you know, Tweedledee and Tweedledum basically characters. Right. And I think that's part of it is that it just clicked that you had this character who was helping the Joker. It's a female character helping the Joker. And the Joker is treating her not necessarily poorly at this point in Batman. You know, and even when we see Harley later on, it's only when you get into the comics and the 
the fan and the sexualization of that of her character later that things get a lot more dark. But for a while, at least in the animated series, she was just one of Joker's henchmen that was just loyal to Joker. And it was right. just weird to think of female in the 90s, especially. It just was weird to think that a woman would be loyal to the Joker considering who the Joker is, you know. And I think that was part of the appeal for Harley at that time is just that's why she clicked. It's just like, holy crap, who is this? You know? <laughs> well, well, uh, and, and it works out for the Joker because, I mean, when she does go in dressed as the police officers, the whole mm-hmm. sex cell sort of thing, which kind of mm-hmm. disarms everyone. I mean, you see it with Bullock right. sort of thing. Though my yeah, tiger looks pretty up. hot when she's out of her policeman outfit. I have to, to <laughs> yeah. say she's well drawn. So give her that. I love that uh, Montoya loved that uh, that 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 bullet got a nightstick to the kneecap. He's <laughs> <laughs> really enjoying that. Yeah. He just she's just looking over like ah oh, yes this is great yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm I, I love the little Easter egg though with the hunchmen are reading Tiny Toons Adventure. Comic yes, books. that was yes. a nice touch. I love that. There you go. Like um, I, I'm interested to see how the character evolves because like now it's one of the most popular characters in the dc universe right mm-hmm. so i i i you know this episode the start here was you know wasn't really but like you you can kind of see a little bit like uh, you know obviously you know the, the whole sex sells thing when she's she's dressed up as the female cop and everyone just assumes she's a stripper when she comes in with the giant right. and you can kind of see that, but I'm really interested to see what what was it about this character that really made it click with uh, with so many people. And if it was just no, she's just a hot woman. Do you and think that they were making this up as they go along with her? Oh character, yeah. And then oh, they realize, yeah. Point, oh, we yes. got something yes. here. You know, she's she's in, when they put her in this episode, it was an afterthought. Wouldn't it be mm-hmm. fun if we added a? But Maybe. saying that, I I mean, the thing is, as soon as you see her, you're automatically intrigued. I mean, this is probably the first hench person that we've ever seen through any of the villains of the Batman universe that you actually intrigued that you want to know more. Yeah. Right, so well, well, yeah. Susie pops up, you're like, she's interesting. Yeah, even yeah. before yeah, even before they 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 sexualize her, she's you're like, who is this court jester looking woman that's sitting there? And her accent is different than everybody else's. Right. She's got very much that kind of that kind of you know, Brooklyn Brooklyn-ish, yeah. Brooklyn-ish mm-hmm. thing going. So she sounds different than everybody else. She's uh, she's a themed hench person, which yeah. <laughs> we don't get a lot of here. And yeah. she's batshit crazy, but not completely yet. Right. I mean, that, that doesn't come till later, the fun stuff. But Well, another thing that's quite interesting is that because the Joker and Harley Quinn do have a S&M kind of relationship that goes on with between the two of them. There is a little bit of that. that there's even a, like a little nod of that that happens in this. I mean, the simple fact, like he pushes her to the side, pushes her to the side of the desk. And yeah. She, like, across the yeah. Desk, and he slides her back over like, you know, like she's a piece of furniture. Yeah. But, and then and they look on her and the way they did her face like this. So, so it's almost like it's kind of. For an afterthought character to add this, like, wouldn't it be fun to do this? That they've already kind of, already like, you know, they already kind of built, they already put something in there that they could build upon without even mm-hmm. thinking, without even knowing that they're going to build upon. I found a quote from Paul Dini about it, and, and they said basically all she was supposed to be was a pretty girl to bring in the cake into the room, like a showgirl, and then leave. And they thought, well, in TV shows, the villain usually has a mall with them. Why don't we make this character into something more? So that, mm-hmm. that that was the intent going into it with Harley. 
So give her a little bit of a room to grow with, make her memorable in the, the little that she has, and then bring her back down the line. Definitely mm-hmm. one of my favorite characters in the universe. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, definitely. Because oh, yeah. I, I think it's a while before she does reappear again. So I don't think mm-hmm. she reappears after this episode was shown. And then, of course, when they're developing further episodes, and then she starts making more of a comeback. So I think it's because... I think it's basically she got her character grew basically from the the fans watching the show and you know and that's what that's what why we got Harley Quinn is because you know they put this character in and then the response to this character mm-hmm. just from this you know from this one episode is what turned her into what she is today so well because you have the typical female characters in in a lot of cartoons I mean a lot that you got the beautiful you know, damsel in distress, or you got the beautiful villain, but you never really have one like this that falls into a niche that's usually occupied by a male <laughs> character. So I think that was intriguing. I'm glad they did it because it's one of the best characters they came up with. I think that well, might. I have to, I, but I also have to say with the Batman universe anyway. Mm-hmm. I think the Batman universe, as far as female characters are, probably have the strongest female characters in mm-hmm. one universe in a comic strip. I mean, if you look at, you know, even the even the female villains are a lot more interesting. I mean, the Spider-Man yeah. female villains and Marvel female villains are not that interesting. They're kind of run of the mill or, you know, they're basic mainly to the male villains. Well, Poison Ivy and villainous as like that. I mean, you know, those yeah. they just stand apart. Completely. Yeah, but 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 well, even but even that. super even Superman and Wonder Woman have like pretty weak female villains. Where Batman's villains seem to be well rounded. But even even Batgirls and you know even they turn that into an interesting. You know, it's not like oh let's put a girl in a bat suit. They turned her that they even were able to turn that into something a bit more than what it, you know. Well, and I looked I looked it up. Uh, Harley Quinn makes her way into the comics almost a year exactly later than when she appeared in the. Uh, joker's favorite she appeared in a bat it was a batman adventures which is based off of the animated series but it was they named it bat girl it was like the 11th issue right. according to and so she showed up there so once she shows up in print that really establishes her then into this universe but i think i think it's a combination of things it's one we have a a henchman especially in the animated series here you have a henchman who has a personality who who has a look that equals the supervillain before, even with the, you know, the, the catchy names and that, like we had with um, uh, w- w- you guys will talk about it next month, but with the feet of clay episode or what, you know, you had character vill- henchmen who had gimmicks kind of like a Dick Tracy thing, but nothing to the level that Harley is here. And I think that was part of the appeal too, is you've created a new character up until now Batman animated series has pulled from the library of villains for the most part, the, uh, that Batman has had uh, uh, memorable ones. And now you have the most memorable villain who has a henchman who is, looks equally as crazy as the Joker. Yeah. And, and she is a female character who is kind of off her rocker a little bit. We don't get it too much here. We get it in later episodes, but still you have a female character who isn't a Montoya, but who isn't a complete evil, like, you know, villain or Catwoman. She is not quite as crazy as Joker, but she is different than what you've seen as far as female characters go in an animated film. And I think that clicked. I think that just people are like, do this more, (laughs) you know? 
I mean, the reason why um, their female villains actually started making their way into a lot of things is mainly because, you know, if you had Supergirl or mm-hmm. any of the female superheroes that they'd come out with counterpart to attract women into it, there was a bit of a sensibility about who these women are going to beat up because they don't really want the men beating these women up. <laughs> Because it's not, yeah. you know, it's like you got to be really careful with Wonder Woman. Right. You, know, you don't want Wonder Woman right. to be like, you know, her ass beat by, you know, whoever. You know, you got to, you know, so you have to be careful here because, you know, it's going to paint a picture that you might not want to be painted of the abused mm-hmm. woman. Sort of like when Batman has to fight Catwoman, you know, I mean, in the movies, like, you know, he's not going to kick her ass. Well, it's, it's more defensive <laughs> fight Catwoman. Right. Mm-hmm. It's really she's doing most of the actual hitting, and he's just kind of like blocking. Yeah, and yeah like maybe just trying to trying to neutralize her more. I like when well, Yvonne, Yvonne Craig said that when they brought Batgirl in that um, into the original sixties is that it was basically written into her contract, into the contract of her character that she can only fight with women. <laughs> so, That's true, though, so when you think about it. She was always doing those high kicks back in the 60s, and it was always women. She kicked a lot of guys, though, too. She did so. kick a lot of henchmen guys, yeah. She, 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 could, she could kick, but she could kick the guy, but they couldn't hit her. Her, ah. Yeah. yeah. But, you, but you also don't want your big, be- I mean, and, you know, the, this this could seem sexist when I when I say it, but I guess it's kind of the way, kind of the way they looked at it. You don't want your big villain being beaten up by a girl either because yeah. then that kind of takes away the mystique of the villain whether you know however you feel about that that's probably the mindset that they had especially in the 60s possibly mm-hmm. so yeah you don't you don't want this this you know average size woman being able to go toe-to-toe and beat up um you know whatever you know whatever super villain you have because then that that maybe lowers their stock a little you know um and that's probably another another reason that you, you needed the female villains for that reason. Don't forget the bullet bra. Someone had to wear it. <laughs> <laughs> not giving up on the bullet bra. <laughs> well, I mean, another thing, I mean, I, I guess the way they got away with it with Wonder Woman, basically, is she's Amazonian as well. So right. It's kind of like, yeah, yeah. therefore, it's like it kind of gives her yeah. a little bit more license because she's Amazon. Yeah. So. She, she, yeah, she's in some depending on what you read is sometimes stronger than superman if you look at it right. you know at, at times so if you establish that you're like okay yeah it's okay for her to beat up guys because she she literally she you know she threw superman across the world so you know we're okay with her beating up which yeah. you know it's the one thing about the casting of gal gadot that i don't get when i when i see gal gadot i don't think that's a woman that can kick my ass which mm-hmm. is weird because i, I feel like wonder woman should be somebody who like no i as a man i probably can't fight her and, uh, <laughs> it, gal gadot didn't come across that way to me i mean i think linda carter had special powers because she was able to run and keep her tits in that suit that is life's one of life's greatest mysteries they must have had her pasted into oh. that thing they <laughs> had, i think they i think they must have super glued her in. i mean she's just running i, mean, I was it, impressed it, it, don't even move it doesn't even move she's running it's in one take as well you're like i know and they don't move and it's like holy shit it's just like i just want to know what kind of you know architecture they use to make them not (laughs) oh 
Oh, I, I, I watched some Wonder Woman over Christmas. I tell you, she's bouncing up and down, but they're still in there. So yeah. that's quite yeah. <laughs> she still looks good too. I was, I was just gonna say she mm-hmm. she's clearly got a superpower because she still looks fantastic uh, now. Still beautiful. Her and Jacqueline yeah. Smith. Both of them still look. And to be honest, she's a lot better than her sister Deborah Winger, so we'll give her that. <laughs> I didn't realize that was her sister. Okay. Well, yeah. No. Um. And 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 Wonder Woman. That she Wonder was Woman. Wonder yeah. Woman's little sister, Deborah Winger, oh, played her. Okay. Yeah. And of course, okay. Leachman played her mom. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. That. <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, out of my But Linda Carter, Carter wasn't the first Wonder Woman, anyway. It was uh, no. Cosby, wasn't it? Denise Crosby. Cosby? Yeah. Kathy Crosby. Uh, Kathy Crosby. Crosby. Yeah. Kathy Crosby. Yeah. Oh yeah, God, I totally forgot about that. Oh, my <laughs> yeah. God. I mean, yeah, because she, she was like, she was the ABC movie of the week, wasn't she? So we had like, well, Kathy Crosby always kind of looked a bit butch, so we kind of had lesbian Wonder Woman, and then when it, <laughs> then when it went to TV, and then when it went to TV, I think it went to Linda Carter, and then it transferred from ABC to CBS, and then. It's weird how we we always kind of kind of retcon who played these superheroes first because Kirk Allen preceded George Reeves as Superman and nobody ever right. talks about Kirk Allen. Uh, I forget the guy's name. It was Batman before Adam West in the uh, the 20th Century Fox. Uh, no, the, not 20th Century. Republic, the 30s. The, the Republic serials in the, in oh, the yeah. Uh, the, yeah. Like we we completely we completely forget sometimes that the these char- like the people we think of aren't the people who originated the character. It's weird. It's, well, it's, it's kind of well, funny because uh, to me, Batman was always Adam West, mm-hmm. and then when the animated series came out, it's always Kevin Conroy. I mean, you know, it's even it's just his it's just his voice. But I can't every time I see a Batman after that, I just think Kevin Conroy's the best voice. Well, you almost ever. never think of Kathy Lee Crosby as this uh, Wonder Woman. I didn't even know about it until right down to the. I mean, the outfit. It's just like it's not even sexualized at all. Really, you don't get really. Well, I, 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 don't, I don't think. I don't think the Carter frosted. Gets in there. Yeah, but I don't think the frosted tips of her hair help much either. Lewis <laughs> <laughs> Wilson was the Batman. Yeah, in the. Uh, I just looked him up. Yeah, was forty three, and uh, they didn't even have they. They had Alfred and Robin, but then they had a character Linda Page played by Shirley Patterson and yeah you forget about that and what's really fun about watching some of those old serials is is you can see the hints of what inspired things later on you know <laughs> you know and they weren't exactly great but at the same time you look at them go I give them bad props for trying something were they the uh, um, cliffhangers that they used to put on yep. to get people to come yeah. back week after week yeah the serials yeah so during the yeah. during the first uh during the first lockdown sean and i went through the batman and robin uh serial and we just kind of chuckled at the end you know you just, it's just a guy in a mask and <laughs> yeah head, his head henchman who he keeps talking about isn't some guy with like some like clever name his name is gabe yeah. <laughs> are you talking, talking about, about the first Gabe. ones that are the black oh, really? and whites? Or yeah. 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 Those are really horrendous. Gabe wouldn't make these mistakes. So like, Gabe? <laughs> Those are just awful, but they're entertaining as hell. They really are. But the funny, but the funny thing about it, those 1930s ones would be the template for the 1960s, like the ending yeah. of the right, like, yeah, yeah. On the cliffhanger and and the little voiceover were to happen is like. Okay, well, they actually taken the 30s one and they updated it for the 60s, but they still kept some of that in there. It was kind of bizarre. 
Yeah, well, they, they did a little cliffhanger, and you know what? What's are, how are they going to get out of this? Tune in next week, same bad time, uh, same bad well, you, channel. And yeah. you even have the '60s influencing animated series because watching these episodes again because it's been a while since I've revisited a series, but you have quips that could have easily come from the '60s show that Batman drops in this in throughout the series. Not quite as campy, but they're in the same spirit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and animation, you know, where like the the airplane in this episode, the airplane uh, that uh, uh, Charlie Charlie gets yeah. off of looks like something that would have come out of the 1930s. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, poor yeah. Charlie. Well, I mean, you know, he's just your but, basic but he, guy. But even look at look at like some of the street names. I mean, you know, he goes to the Goth Mart. Yeah, that's right. We totally need something else today, you know. And, Gothmart. and that's I mean, what I, I wish there was one. <laughs> I wish there was too, actually. I'd go. Well, it's called Spirit Halloween. Yeah, oh, yeah. there you go. <laughs> but that's what I always not open year round. That's what I loved about the animated series, is it did take that hint from the uh Batman 89 series in that you painted this Gotham that, whereas, you know, usually they people say, well, it's supposed to be Chicago or whatever, but okay, now, but I'm like, back then, they made it so it didn't quite fit in any one year. You know, you watch this, yeah, it's you've like got... the 40s, but it's you, you, not. Right. You've got retro that, but you got yeah. tech that is modern. You've got yeah. talk that is kind of modern. There's things that are kind of hints of modern, like steampunk almost right. in a respect you know and that's what i loved about the world they've painted in animated series is that it's its own period it it's sort of like streets it's, of fire it's its own period that movie well it, and i think we i was watching the do, i was watching a documentary on the anime series and what they wanted was the 1930s world fair as if it, it lasted for 20 30 years <laughs> okay <laughs> I can see I mean, that. Looks, yeah, Fleischer cartoons, the old mm -hmm. Fleischer Superman cartoons. Yeah. You know, but it, it, I found out that Gotham is in New York State because um, when you look at Charlie's um, mm -hmm. driver's license, says Gotham, Gotham, New and NY. But if you notice, okay. though, they seem to take buildings from every city and make the skyline. <laughs> So Gotham is like Chicago, New York, LA, well, you know. That, well, that, you, that, you, was Tim, watch, that was Tim Burton's doing from 1989's mm -hmm. um, Batman. I mean, if you watch the uh, the Christopher Nolan movies, uh, The Dark Knight, there's all that stuff that takes place in the in Lower Wacker, and that's Gotham. Right? <laughs> and then when you get to um, The Dark Knight Rises, where they're blowing up the bridges so you can't get out of Gotham, they're blowing up the Williamsburg, Manhattan, and Brooklyn Bridge. Right. And they're and they're rolling up the Steelers Stadium too. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which well, is, that in, Pittsburgh, in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> to be fair, when Charles Dickens originally originally uh, you know came up with the you know the idea of Gotham, he had Pittsburgh in mind. Hmm. So Pittsburgh is the original Gotham in, in 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 a literary sense. I could see that. I could see that. I always liked the idea that Gotham was, you know, I always like it when it's portrayed as this amalgamation of, of, you know, cities versus being an actual location. You know, later on now we say, well, this, this is basically, this city is basically Gotham. I always like that, that it's more of a mix mashup of, of different cities. It's too dismal to be in the south where it's sunny a lot. So it has to be in the north. <laughs> it's gotta be in the north. They get snow. But it's gotta and, yeah, be close yeah. enough 
to Metropolis, which is apparently really close to Kansas. Uh, so the geography's don't, weird. Don't, uh, don't. <laughs> well, that's that's I mean, the modern comic screwing everything up. Don't yeah. yeah. But I mean, Go- I mean, Gotham kind of says it all anyway. Gotham is an amalgamation right. of a city. That's what, mm-hmm. you know, Gotham, you know. Metropolis, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not a huge Superman fan anyway. I just, I just don't understand him. He It baffles I, me that a man who's a superhero and smart enough doesn't get rid of kryptonite. It always seems to forever. show up, doesn't it? Always, it always seems yeah. to show up. Somebody's but, always yeah. got kryptonite. Well, and and that's, I, you know, that's what happens when you make something, you know, that they have one weakness. It's like, okay, we'll like an weakness yeah. and like, it'll be fine. When Batman finally sees Superman after he wakes up from being dead, shit gets real. <laughs> I mean, in, in reality, the, the my, my issue with Superman as like a, as a character is he's too perfect. Mm-hmm. Like when your hero yeah, is that he's invincible. Perfect, yeah, yeah, if he's invincible, yeah. you, you know, you, you will just for the natural order of storytelling, your character, your your hero needs to be fighting upwards. Mm-hmm. How do you fight upwards if you're Superman? You got to give yeah. him three villains. You got to you got to go create Nuclear Man. You got to <laughs> you got to do all this stuff that just but, he, but even the love interest is kind of weird because even the Lois Lane love interest, all that sort of stuff, kind of muddles things right. a little bit too much as well. Because yeah, we're, like, we're going to get will they, won't that. they? And you know that once they do, it's going to like, okay, that's, well, now what do you do with it sort of thing? So it's <laughs> all that kind of he can't it's like moonlighting. It's like once Sybil Shepard and Bruce Willis get together, he really don't have a show anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, the, the conversation of mall rats. He can't have sex with Lois Lane. He'll bl- he'll blow a hole through her. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know. She's, I'd like to she's be a one top broad. I wouldn't put anything one. past that one. <laughs> it's I super Krypton spur. We'll just come out the back of her and show her. <laughs> Yeah, apparently oh, only God. I mean there there is a argument that the only person that can mate with Superman is Wonder Woman, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. that's the argument. If you think about yeah. it. That that's always been the argument is that Wonder Woman would be the only one to be able to really handle mating with Oh yeah, we're well, getting all fucking twilight on me over here. It's like yeah, <laughs> yeah but what what, what, <laughs> what what people but what people don't know is that Wonder Woman has kryptonite in her as a kryptonite what? vagina. Hey, <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> Well, I, think that, I think that's that's the one thing that you know a lot of people wonder well why does why do they keep coming batman what is the appeal with batman and i think at the end of the day even with money and everything he is he is a person among gods you know even more so yeah. than even more so than like your green arrow who would be the closest to you know him but even green arrow uh it's just something about Batman, the way he handles everybody is that he doesn't have hero worship of pretty much any of the superheroes, no. you know, they've established, really not. you know, I just, I, I've been reading the, com- I got back into the comic book reading in, in the past year and my, my bank book uh, hates it, but uh, I've been watching the Batman yes. series. Uh, I've re-picked up the Batman issues because someone recommended to me and in there for the short storyline that they've just, uh, I just read the last issue, which shocked the hell out of me, but Batman came up with what is a robot called fail safe, which was a counter to him. He literally, in case he went rogue, this robot would kick in and eliminate him. But this Batman robot knew everything he did, like how he moved and every, it was a really interesting exploration into 
this idea that Batman even has a counter for himself, not just the other superheroes in the world himself, because he doesn't even trust himself. And I think that's what I like about the Batman character so much is no matter what super powered person he comes up against, he looks at him and he's immediately evaluated and going, how can I kill this guy? <laughs> if, this guy if this guy goes rogue, how do I kill him? Right. You know, Don't you and, think Batman's kind of tragic, though? I was saying he, he always ends up alone. He can't really be in love or have anybody in his life. He goes through him. I mean, I mean, he's, quite, he's supposed to bachelor's Bruce Wayne, but he's never really going to be like have love, love in his life. It would appear. Uh, he's, the old he's, adage of it's lonely at the top, you know? Possibly. Well, the yeah. thing is, what Bat, I think what Batman has over everyone else is that he's human. Mm hmm. And with he with humanity he has all the faults and idiosyncrasies and insecurities that we all have, and I think that's probably why he endures. Because the thing is, is like even 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 when he does try good, when it does go horribly wrong, which it does, and you do see this more in the Batman, you know, Batman comics and mm -hmm. universe than you do with the other superheroes. Because other superheroes are all been bitten or have some kind of special power or something like right. this. Where he's basically, you know, he's an orphan that was brought up by hired staff. I mean, yeah. you can say what you want by Alfred, but at the end of the day, Alfred's the there because he's being well, he, well, he's being paid by mm -hmm. Bruce to be his father figure. <laughs> at the end of the day. Basically, well, that, that's it. Sort of but he, Whether, but, but, you know, but he actually does care about him, though. I mean, yeah. oh, I'm not saying he doesn't care for him, but at the same time, it's kind of like you know. I mean, I think Alfred cares a lot for Bruce, but is does he care for Bruce as a father figure, or does or a sense of duty, which causes you know, it could be I you can look at it either way you want who's to. Playing him or who's doing the voice? <laughs> it seems like no, 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 no. But no, but if you look, but if you look at it, such a thing. It's like they all say that they're there. Basically, his parents get killed, so basically, Alfred. Alfred raises that raises him but is out of a sense of duty and he does i think he does feel something for for him and they feel something for each other but at the end of the day it's kind of hard to feel something for someone when you're paying them at the same time yeah you know well, so you gotta kind of you kind of have to look at that i mean i think i think there is a love thing but god forbid if alfred does step out of line bruce can always get rid of him yeah, but I always picked I always picked Alfred as he's there because he wants to be. He's been paid yeah. by the Waynes long enough, and he seems like a smart enough individual to where, if by chance he did lose his job, he he wouldn't be bad off. I no. I think I think he he stays because he wants to because he does genuinely care. And if Bruce Wayne fired him, I think he's got enough investment and money and nesting. Whatever. He, oh, okay. You know, he'd be more hurt emotionally. <laughs> for being fired than he would of any type of paycheck. You know, if, if Bruce Wayne even stopped paying him, I think he'd still do it, you know? Yeah, I thought Alfred stays there because, you know, he loves Bruce, as, Yeah, uh, you know, as family. But I also know that I think Alfred knows that if he is no longer there, Bruce might be more of a harm to himself than to oh, anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he needs, yeah, he, he, needs to keep, he needs to keep Bruce's humanity. He's Bruce's <laughs> key to humanity. Without him, chances are there's going to be a dark. There, he's going to go back to somewhere he's never going to be able to come back from. He's not Alfred's the anchor. Alfred is the gray area guy because Batman kind of has a tendency to go black or white. Oh, you're bad or you're good. I'm going to beat the crap. But he's like, yeah, but what about 
the motivation of why he's doing it. You know, Alfred would always come in the minute Batman would go, yeah, I'm going to go kick this guy's ass. He's like, is that what's really going on? <laughs> you know, he he's he's kind of that anchor. He's always been that voice of a, a bit of reason to Batman. Because, yeah, like you said, otherwise he'd go off the handle and get himself killed probably many times over if it wasn't for Alfred going, mm-hmm. yeah, take a breath. You know, why, why don't you take take just take a beat here? <laughs> Well, another interesting thing we do get to see Bruce Wayne later on in Batman Beyond, where Alfred has passed on and what's become of him, which is interesting. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that yeah, which he becomes very curmudgeon. Uh, <laughs> he becomes a very he becomes a very jaded individual when Alfred is out of the picture. Then I mean, yeah. well, now he's got to do everything for himself. Right. Yeah. <laughs> He has to draw. He has to figure out how to draw his own bath. I mean, there was, it's uh, a traumatic experience when he when he left in that position. There was one one episode a couple a couple of a uh, couple of months back where Bruce had to go from doing something as Batman to going to like some gala, and they show him pulling up in the Batmobile. Alfred is waiting there with his suit. Gets him yeah. into his suit real quick and get and like. This is a guy who's not used to doing things on his own. So yeah, you can see him becoming a total curmudgeon. Where it's like, oh shit, it falls on me now. Which actually, that just what you just said there reminds me. um, Just remind me, the episode with the Invisible Man or See No Evil. When does Batman go into a bathroom and change his clothes and come out? When did he turn into? When did that? When was he able to do that? You know, right? He wearing that outfit underneath his suit. No one saw him go in. No one saw him go out. No what, one, one. One security guard that was by the yeah. that was by the door, wandering, wanting to know who uh, kept locking the door. He actually knocked out. <laughs> yeah, he got the door. Batman came back out, so it worked out that he didn't but, see him. But I'm saying, like, so is he wearing that Batman outfit underneath his suit? Is that what we're supposed to be expecting? Is he doing like a no <laughs> yeah. super, Superman? Well, thing that's or? armor. It's not like he could throw a T-shirt over it or something. <laughs> Well, well got, be honest, I, I, always, I always had a problem with this scenario anyway, because I thought to myself, it's like, even when Superman did it, you know, like, off comes the suit, I thought to be like, how the fuck does this, where does the cape, how does the cape fit behind his clothes? Yeah. <laughs> cape all shoved into the hack? <laughs> it's how magic. Not look like, you know, not look like Quasimodo. <laughs> yeah, precisely. It's, like, it's true, though. I mean, you don't think about that. It's like, because you always see Superman, and then you got the Q music, and he's like, you see the S, you know? Like, where the cape and the boots come from? I mean, how the, where did that come from? <laughs> you know, where is he carrying the boots? Where, where are the little red go-go boots? Where are they? <laughs> are they in you the know, pocket? <laughs> at least in Batman, like, 89 occasionally, uh, Batman, if you show his he didn't necessarily always have the boots sometimes he had shoes you know when he when he had to switch quick he had actual regular shoes and not boots but not often but there was one or two shots in batman where he had when he had to quick change but yeah it always makes you wonder but i think this is the first time we actually see batman do like a quick change like that during yeah i thought i kind of felt i i didn't think of it when we were talking about it discussing it now i kind of i kind of kind of what (laughs) it doesn't make quite a lot of sense because like the it's only custom one tailored. Really, it's tailored suits. Yeah. So the only yeah. ones where it really where it really works. Well, who's the tailor? Alfred. Alfred. The only, yeah. <laughs> the only, the only superhero where it actually works is Spider Man. Well, what about the uh, what about that yeah. hanging bat that's in that attic that just happens to be there? And Alfred God, it was there. Happens to see it. <laughs> <laughs> 
You know would be great is that if, if, if that if that bat thing just happened just accidentally, nothing nothing is going on, but for some reason Batman thinks uh, thinks he's needed, so he just goes in there and starts beating people up, and it's like, wait, this is it's my kid's birthday party. What are you doing? <laughs> I have to sit there and say, though, it took Batman a while to turn around and get back into that party, though. Yeah. I don't know what he was doing. But he was getting a suit on, see? <laughs> he, he was. He was getting a suit. <laughs> yeah, but this this episode's intended to be a little bit lighter. You know, yeah. it, it's one of the it's one of their lighter episodes to where um, you know, where the gas could it, it could be lethal where they he sprays it. It just freezes. Well, you see the end. mask come out. You know? So what yeah. is this gas well, it freezes you? So I guess it and, and then except, he's going except to, for the eyeballs. The eyeballs can yeah. except for the eyeballs, yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, and I mean, your he has, vital organs, apparently. He has the explosive though, but but it could have just been poison gas, but he does explosive, right. which gives you a, a chance to have a chance for them to get out of it. So you know it, it's just meant to be a bit of a lighter episode. I think right. You know, <laughs> Until the end, because until I, the I, end, I, I kind of get the I kind of get the notion that now that Joker knows that you're not actually capable of killing him, he's not going to stop coming after Charlie. What Charlie? Charlie Collins. Charlie. Charlie. Oh, Charlie's, Charlie's a dead Collins. man now. Oh, Charlie, yeah, Charlie just dead. This is why a we fake never bomb see him again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but Charlie he doesn't Collins care though. He doesn't Charlie care Collins. now. He just wants to go home and have meatloaf at this point. He doesn't give a shit if his wife makes meatloaf. Charlie Collins is going to be killed off screen, and we're never going to see him again. I was going to say Charlie Collins. Charlie, Charlie Collins managed to do the one thing the Joker has always wished to do: make him make Batman laugh. Yeah, <laughs> he actually managed to make Batman laugh. True. Well, actually, right. we also see we also see Joker. Oh, Joker's weakness as well. I think this is the first time you see him actually afraid. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was. He was afraid to get his ass beat, is what I was worried. He was worried about. Well, in a way, he kind of pushed uh, Charlie to have one bad day. (laughs) (laughs) The end result, he pushed him too far. I did find Charlie's wife quite ugly. I don't know who drew her. (laughs) (laughs) They're average people. Not everybody can be a beautiful person, Keith. Well, if you're drawing rich. them, they can be. <laughs> if you're drawing it, they can be. She's not rich. Yeah. So she can't afford to, to be gorgeous. She can't afford Botox and uh, breast augmentation and full I, I thought it was Peg Bundy from Married with Children myself. But <laughs> like... Hey, Peg is underrated. I think Peg was probably pretty hot. And I agree. I, I thought Peg Bundy was hot. But, I don't. Uh, I don't understand what the problem. I mean, how she is. looked. Maybe not her personality. <laughs> <laughs> no, not the personality. The person. But who makes that much money selling fucking shoes? Okay. Oh, God. <laughs> He's handing over all of his money to Peg. <laughs> Joe has a secret fascination with Peaky Tuscadero as well. You do. <laughs> oh no. You're a Susie Quattro fan <laughs> as well, probably. La- Laverne DeFazio. <laughs> like the Laverne DeFazio look. <laughs> the, 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 uh, it's been a long time since I've seen Happy Days. So Pinky Tuscadero to me, just the, the thing I think of is the Malachi Crunch. The oh. Malachi, oh my God. I'm so that was, that was her, that. right? That was her? She was in it. Yeah, she was in it. She was in the car, yeah. I think, right? 
Yeah. The two bullies. Of the, yeah, the two bully guys. Of the, I everybody think, was I think, Peg, I think Peg Bundy was more Laverne Leptifazio, that kind of same thing as Laverne. <laughs> yeah, you know, the yeah. pedal pushers and the, you know, the animal print and the, just know, to, the, the just hair all ratted up like a teenage Jezebel. Yeah. Just attractive enough to get some to get some poor sucker to take care of her for the rest of her life so she could just leech off him and never do a thing. That's Peg Bundy <laughs> in a nutshell. Just yeah. hot enough to, to reel a guy in and never do anything again. They kind of remind me of the ropers from, from uh Three's mm. Company, Stanley, you know. <laughs> versus Roper is always trying to get some and good. Stanley. I tell you what though, the Peg Bundys of the world, I mean, you know, if when in the 60s when they looked like that they were dangerous i mean they were like mm. motorcycle malls i mean look at the shanger laws you don't want to fuck with them on a dark night that was like well, rip you up while they're singing leader of the pack right I mean, considering she went on you. to play a motorcycle mall later on yeah she <laughs> would Seagal ended up on sons yeah. of anarchy as a motorcycle mall oh that's right yeah. so that yeah, actually fits <laughs> yeah faster pussycat kill kill there you go <laughs> yes yes <laughs> She, her body type would have fit right into a Russ Meyer movie. It yeah. would have. Yeah, she definitely would have been Russ Meyer in a Russ Meyer film. And, actually, and, Russ, Me- and Russ Meyer said that the, the prototypes that he used for Faster Cat, um, um, Faster Pussy Cat Kill yeah. Kill were girls that he actually knew who acted that way in real life. So they were yeah. tough. Yeah. <laughs> Oddly enough, I, I went to a concert when I was living in L.A. There was a, there was a benefit show. And they did a one-night-only reunion of Velvet Revolver. This was in 2012. And one of the bands underneath, and I don't remember their names, uh, was actually, uh, Katie Seagal was actually their lead singer. So it was actually kind of weird because I'm sitting there, I'm like, wait a minute, isn't that, oh shit, that's Peg Bundy. (laughs) (laughs) You know where where she got her start from, don't you? She was Elvis' backing dancer. Was Bette Miller? I thought it was Elvis I had had read. It was Bette Miller. Bette Midler, she was one of the, she was one of the, um, Whatever she calls her backing singers, the Harlots. She's the Harlots. Okay. Was Harlots. her um which when Bette Midler first started out with Barry Manilow in the gay bathhouses, it was <laughs> was um her and Melissa Manchester. They were both Harlots. Wow. I think I think Elvira might have started out as Elvis as one of Elvis. Maybe I'm getting, getting yeah. them confused. I yeah. think. I, I mean I'm not absolutely sure. It's possible. It's possible. Well, Whitney Houston's mom was Elvis Presley's backing singer. Oh wow! Oh yeah, that's where Sissy. That's where Sissy Houston was. She was the backing singer for her uh, Elvis and Jimi Hendrix. I, I still, oh, wow. I, want see, I want to see that Whitney Houston movie that came out last year. Still haven't seen it. Which one? You mean uh, the new one that just? There's a new one that just came out. Yeah, that's I want, what I'm I want to dance about. with somebody. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen I, it. I, that I looks good. That. that looks really good. Actually, I'm gonna. Yeah. I mean, they were also known as the staggering harlots they were trio backup singers who support bet midler one was charlotte crossy linda hart robert there's a whole bunch of them that got their start yeah there's a whole bunch of them but um kate um katie siegel started off with them i mean the oh. thing is you can hear her sing anyway she's singing the sons of egg um oh melissa, i didn't know melissa oh, manchester was one it. of them you're right yeah barry Mallow was there was their piano player <laughs> I didn't know he started out in bathhouses. But he's not gay. He's not gay, really. He's not gay. <laughs> he's a chick magnet. He's a chick magnet. Right. <laughs> Every woman wants him. Every woman wants him. 
Every woman over the age of 50 wants him. <laughs> Not 50 now. It's like 80 now. Oh, it was man. 50 when I was a kid. Rick, is it Ricky Martin now? The one? <laughs> well, Ricky Martin oh, came Ricky out. Martin. Uh, came out. Ricky okay. Martin when it came out about 20 years ago. Okay. Yeah. Then he yeah. got in trouble he... for something last year. Did he get in trouble for? It was something really know. weird, like, younger yeah, boys imagine. or something. I don't know something about young, it, something it with a younger boy on? that yeah is something yeah a younger boy that he may or may not be related to. Yeah, that, that, oh, may or may not. Audition? That's dicey. He wasn't yeah. auditioning for Menudo again, was he? <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Oh Ricky. <laughs> I'm not gay. Not, I don't, just because Madonna is my best friend doesn't make me gay. <laughs> he started out on General Hospital, and he was a chick, supposedly a chick magnet, singing chick magnet on that show. But you, I mean, it was always about women. They didn't, they didn't portray him as other than than that. I mean, the thing it. Uh, I mean, he Ricky Martin was Ricky Martin. <laughs> Isn't he La Vida Loca? Is that him? Yeah, he turned yeah. into the real lifestyle. And she bangs. She bangs. <laughs> she bangs. <laughs> well, William Hung yeah. kind of stole his yeah. thunder on that one because the William Hung version is so much better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he also comes from musicals. I mean, Ricky Martin was like in right. Les Mis on Broadway and things like that as well. So that's where he kind of come from. Then. I guess we're at the point where we discuss who our favorite character and least favorite characters for episodes are. Starting with you, Vicky, because this is your favorite part of this episode. I hate, I, you know, I hate that. Who's your favorite, favorite character, character and your least favorite character? I got like two favorite characters. I don't believe, let's see. I'd have to say my least favorite character is going to be uh, Nostromos or whatever the hell his name is. <laughs> the, the, the prophet. I don't know why he just didn't ring, ring to me too much. I don't. I, I guess maybe that wasn't my favorite episode. That's probably why I liked it, but there was something about him. I, I guess it kind of got on my nerves. Kind of like Martin Sheen gets on my nerves sometimes. I don't know why that is either. But uh, I watched a Little Girl Down Lane yesterday, and I forgot how much Martin Sheen pissed me off in that movie. Oh yeah. Anyway, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and my I would have to say my favorite character. I'm gonna have to say Grey Ghost. I really loved him. He was, he was also a tragic figure that just kind of a heart, I just, you know, heartwarming older person and you just want to be remembered, I guess. And he was very relatable and realistic. What about yourself, Joe? Um, I, I, I disagree with Vicky on Nostromo because it, at least he had, you know, like some, some personality brought something to the table. My least favorite was probably the Invisible Man character only That's because I can't. I watched it yesterday and I completely forgot the fucking episode. <laughs> like the other ones, you know, you got, you know, Mark Hamill's Joker, who's, you know, 
amazing and you know yes. one of the most revered characters but the uh but the gray ghost is the one that really stands out to me is like the, exactly you know, the whole episode my favorite like oh my god I, I would like to see more of this if they i do, would too I mean, where else are you gonna go yeah but uh but i really really love the gray ghost is my favorite character um it's the you know the the the, the, the pathos the and even knowing knowing when i clicked play on the episode this is the adam west episode still when you hear his voice yes. it just kind of like <laughs> you know it, it kind of it's smile. almost comforting to hear his yeah. voice in a weird way you know it's like oh he's still there you know well not anymore but... man. <laughs> you still get that so uh, um and i mean i just love the story behind it um i i, I love the idea of uh you know, so the, the, I mean, the villain, the villain is completely, well, maybe this is my least favorite villain because like this villain doesn't, yeah. You know what? The toy I'm maker, changing. yeah. My least favorite is this toy maker because he's, he doesn't matter at all. The kid, he's kind of a kid too. Yeah, yeah. it's not even, wait, it's not even even a toy maker. He's the toy collector. Toy he's collector, toy yeah. Collector. Yeah, he's yeah. a collector, yeah. yeah. He's, there's, there's my, there's my new least favorite. Yeah, there's he's, not a whole lot going on with that character. You're he's right, not, he's not necessary in his own episode. <laughs> <laughs> he really isn't like this entire thing could have just been like the mad bomber stuff you could have forgotten about it and this episode would still be really really good just because of you know the and i wonder how much of this is also because we all know what adam west was going through uh so maybe if it's somebody who's a little younger now who doesn't really understand it that wouldn't get it but or doesn't have that that relationship to Adam West wouldn't get it, but yeah, this I, I just feel like this episode was just probably the most perfect of the four so far, or the, the four this week. Um, yeah. Really, really love that one. And in, in a week where we get the the first appearance of Harley Quinn, right? I'm looking at Adam West and thinking that's you know the, the Gray Ghost is my favorite. So yeah, it's probably him as the uh, him as the favorite toy collector's my least. What about yourself, Sean? Uh, I'm with Joe on the toy collector being my least. I it, it's a completely forgettable villain in its own episode, but um, probably the Gray Ghost is my favorite. It's one of those things I haven't seen this episode since I it initially aired, and growing up playing the Batman video games, you always see the Gray Ghost poster in the background mm -hmm. of every single one of Batman's lairs. And it's one of those things like, who's the great ghost? What's the great ghost? And, and it's been intriguing me for the last uh, 10, 15 years or so. So finally seeing this episode again, and now fully aware of the full backstory of right. everything Adam West is going through. There's so much emotion, so much depth to this gray ghost that I'm completely 100% with Joe. I want a gray ghost series, even if it's just like five, six episodes. Uh, we can't put it on HBO Max. They're gutting everything. But I'd say five, six episodes on HBO Max. Just give me a gray ghost little serial and it'd be nice. Because It would be. It really character. would be. What about yourself, Mark? <laughs> unfortunately fortunately or unfortunately i have to go with everybody on this out of the four episodes as fun as it is seeing the joker and harley quinn don't get me wrong joker's favor uh is a lot of fun but if you want to talk about favorites yeah gray ghost even without the adam west backstory this is this is 
one of those episodes why I love this animated series so much and why I consider the body of work of the original Batman animated series probably my favorite cartoon. And I've watched a lot of cartoons being a child of the 80s just because episodes like this to where it's dealing with some some uh, upper level mature material yet you could find something for everyone in here but the gray ghost is just an amazing character uh there's there's layers to this character you don't expect from an episode like this uh, a connection to batman and you feel the same connection batman has to this character they yeah. managed to just write it in such a way to where you completely understand Batman's motivation throughout this whole episode of why he's yeah. doing what he's well doing. You know, it, well you could tell there was just care put into it. And I'm not saying the other ones I didn't enjoy, but as far as favorite characters, yeah. And least yeah. favorite, yeah, the villain in this, they could have came up with any situation. They could have just, you know, crime run rampant and, and Gary Ghost had all his stuff stolen. You, you know, I mean, they could have played it any number of ways that the toy collector... Uh, is truly just just there to serve a, a, as that catalyst to bring Batman and Grey Ghost together. Really, is the only purpose whatsoever. He is he is definitely forgettable, even more forgettable than the Invisible Guy, though, which is a, another probably on same level as not favorite, but just because he is he is so just flat and just okay. You you barely even buy that he's crazy from the toxic suit. You know they. There's some there, but not a whole lot. He's just he's just a scum guy, but there's nothing really a lot to him. But definitely uh the toy collector is probably my least favorite. And Grey Ghost, yeah, you can't help but love this guy. Well, the invisible man has been done so well, mm -hmm. even by this point, because you had, you know, uh even with Claude Rains, Vincent Price, and so on, and now uh, the, the last Invisible Man movie from 2020 is so good. So we've, we've all seen the Invisible Man done multiple times, and it's always been done really, really well. This was the weakest, but this was also only half an hour. So there, Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's there's that, too. But just in general. But, but even that, yeah, generally, he just he's just kind of just kind of a generic hood. You know, that's that, that that's why I, I think it was kind of forgettable. Mm hmm. I mean, my least favorite character is Mark Ventix, the Invisible Man. I found him a lot weaker than the Toy Collector, because at least the Toy Collector had a little bit more, mm. a little bit more pizzazz. This one just looks like basically they couldn't get James Wood to voice the character, so we got some generic person to voice him without any feeling or emotion behind it. And then plus he had those kind of, and even the way he's drawn, he's kind of got liver lips with like boils on the side of his face. So that was kind of figured like, but there's yeah, like. Yeah, what was the deal with whatever was that going on? What was that? Bad yeah. shape? Pockmarks or, or yeah. Pockmarks. I'm not quite yeah. sure, but it just feels like he wasn't a fully realized character. I think. He could have been, I, I guess. That was I Michael that, Gross, wasn't it? Because you have a lot of pet characters around him that were yeah. a lot more, a lot more um, drawn out. They were kind of have to get his story through these other drowned out characters, but it would kind of bit maybe if he had more of a characterized voice or something that gave him a bit more character to lift him up a little bit more, that maybe I would have been more invested. But his story is kind of like, okay, you know, okay, he's obviously there's a past between the mother, and then we have this, you know, this 
this, you know, now he wants his daughter. And at first I thought, well, is he a pedophile? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's what I was thinking. Well, that's I, I what was, I was yeah. thinking at first, too. Yeah, so I guess he just had that kind of vibe. And, <laughs> you know, and the thing is, he did something bad, but what did he do, really? I mean, there's like a lot, there's a lot of shades of gray there. So you're kind of like trying to fill in the blanks here, but they're not, they're not, there's not even enough to fill in the blanks about him. So... You know, and I think that, and the thing is that to me, it, this is a very wasted opportunity because this could have been that, you know, he's trying, he's doing everything to get back his, back his daughter. And so there could have been a lot of pathos that we got like with Heart of Ice or other, and other right. episodes where we got like yeah. these, these people who become villains, but because, you know, though they're going around, going about it the wrong way, though, the idea basically is, you know, there's something good behind this wrong way they're doing it and it doesn't we don't really get a payoff we kind of just get this run-of-the-mill person that does not that interesting and my favorite's gotta be gray ghost because i mean at the end of the day it does fill into the geek boy fanboy thing that i have with a simple fact is like you know if i met one of my heroes of who i grew up with you know whether it was underdog or bullwinkle and rocky or anything <laughs> like those that i grew up with that i loved one in my childhood <laughs> and i could go back and just you know god if i could just go back and save rod serling from you know some kind of drama oh, before, you know, <laughs> you're you know, right stop stop them from doing night gallery i mean i could like save the world but um <laughs> but it, but it kind of like paid into that kind of pathos for me because it's kind of like and there's that thing is like when the world moves on and forgets about you and i always kind of i always you know think of that whether it's you know cartoon characters i love they're no longer that people have totally forgotten about or you know favorite tv shows and actors that are forgotten about and there's that sadness that you know that the world's gone on and, and the world hasn't taken them with them and that so that kind of pays into that pathos for me so that's why i say gray ghost for that because and I thought that they were able to balance this. So they could have made it really hokey or really silly, but they balanced it all to give it a lot of emotional depth. And to give something that emotional depth takes a lot of thought and precision to be able to pull, uh, get that and have the payoff at the end to the point that, you know, when he's signing autographs at the end, you do get that little, you know, you get those little goosebumps and that little thing that goes up, the, you know, up your spine that is like, oh, that's cool. And you have that. <laughs> and then they have that little exchange. Show. Yeah. yeah. It, and, that, and, that's, and that's good. I mean, it's really hard to do that with animation, I think, to something as, you know, from a 30, you know, and to be able to do that in 26 minutes mm -hmm. is quite a feat. Yeah. You know, I've watched I've watched some Pixar films or Disney films that basically <laughs> take an hour and a half to do it and they still haven't quite got there. So, you know, so, yeah, it, that's the it, reason why. It reminded me the Grey Ghost ending reminded me a bit of the uh, one of the best endings of a Doctor Who episode, the Van Gogh episode with Matt Smith. Um, and that ending as well was almost that same thing to where you get that feel that that joy that that happy feeling for the individual. It's just like people enjoy your work where they thought they're forgotten. And seeing someone like that who you know they put work, you know, Grey Ghost put work into his work and he enjoyed it and he faded and to see him come back. Yeah, that's it's a really feel good story. You're right. Like 26 minutes. You don't even realize, oh yeah, that was only a 26 minute episode. And you feel like you've run a better gambit than most Pixar films. It's, uh, it's a story that we're seeing kind of play out in real life with Brendan Fraser too. Yeah. 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 You know, Oh yeah. I mean, you know, if, if you look at, 
<laughs> I mean, I think that luckily we've been quite lucky that we've had a lot of these fan geek boys direct films now anyway. So we've been quite lucky with having like bringing Peter Cushion and Vincent Price back and, you know, Chris, um, the other Dracula, Christopher, Christopher Lee, Lee. Christopher Lee. Yeah. And we do get, you know, we do get they're bringing these people back or Michael Goff. Mm-hmm. classic example you know when i saw michael goff i was like so excited because i love like horrors of the black museum and and um the Kong- conga and things like that mm-hmm. <laughs> those kind of films <laughs> but um, you know and we got to see all you know and we got these geek boys bringing these people back so we're quite lucky so but there is a thing like that where you know you see these people that come back and they do work on these or you know well, you know, Joe, Joe Dante used to do it all the time with, you know, bring back all Joe Dante, his... Tim Burton. I mean, even Spielberg. If you look at yeah. 1941, that was Spielberg getting everybody. This is the first time he had like a huge budget. So he wanted everybody he ever loved <laughs> to come in for that yeah. movie. I uh, love that movie. It got a lot of, a lot of crap, but I, I love it. I still love it. I was, I was like, it's, it's bad for a Spielberg movie, which, you know, most <laughs> yeah. Spielberg movies are pretty good. So. It's uh, the 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 other day when I told a friend of mine that I was I was going to go through all the Hitchcock movies and he's like, oh, Family Plot is awful. I'm like, well, I've never seen Family Plot, so is it like actually bad or is it bad for Hitchcock? Because I, I guess I actually I actually love I love Family Plot. I like it better than Trouble with Harry. I haven't seen either of those two yet. They're both uh, they're both they're both in the same box set, and I'll be watching them both soon. But yeah. <laughs> I, I remember I mean, feeling like I, I like fam- I like family plot. It's, it's it's I don't know. There's something about it that I really like. It might be. I mean, I am a Karen Black fan anyway, so it might be mm. a bit of that. So, but yeah. actually, we're uh, covering an Alfred Hitchcock next week on our on our show. We're doing Which the lady doing? the lady vanishes. Oh, oh nice! Yeah. I haven't seen that one yet either. That's why I've got a yeah. We're doing a we're doing a theme month. Every month we do a theme on our sh- our show. It started a few years ago when I did Fifty Two Degrees to Kevin Bacon. Oh, that's right! You're doing um, trains this month, and that we're doing sense. trains this month. And so I was looking for train movies, and uh, I it, it's a blind spot for me. But it was Alfred Hitchcock train movie. I read the synopsis. I'm like. Yeah, I'm gonna watch it. <laughs> and it's, and actually, that's one that it's Hammer a classic. In the seventies, mm-hmm. Lady Vanishes is what shows on in this country as staple at Christmas time. The whole family. Oh, gets is it really the Christmas in England? Yeah. Ah. Huh. It would. And it's got it's got the best character actors you ever want to see put together. All these great British character actors. Alfred Hitchcock always had the best character actors in all of his movies. It's always weird to me when I hear what what the, the the you know the movie is that everybody watches regionally during Christmas because right. growing up in New York City, it was uh, uh, March of the Wooden Soldiers for us because it was. I oh, loved it was that movie. I've so it was on totally TV all the time. About that. And I, I didn't totally forgot about it. It's like when you're growing up without cable, what is the movie yeah. that everybody gets together? WPIX uh, every year. WPIX every single year Thanksgiving. It was the Godzilla movies on WWOR. <laughs> so was, that, that, that was my and i i can't tell you which godzilla movies i saw because they would you know change them up all the time but yeah i remember constantly going through godzilla marathons on thanksgiving and marshall wooden oh soldiers for christmas i totally uh, forgot ten, about and that ten movie, commandments you know? and the wizard of oz at easter yep there ten you commandments, go yeah. wizard ten of commandments oz, yeah. the wizard of oz for easter yeah mm-hmm. <clears throat> that was a, that was another big new york staple yeah so ben her well that <laughs> 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 Always in the afternoon because it took the whole afternoon to show it. So yeah. <laughs> yeah.
this is the end of the literary, the literary license podcast next week we'll be doing our make remake we'll be covering castle freak from 1995 and castle freak from 2021 and of course um our mnm which is monsters madness will be covering the little girl who lives on the lane double featured with alice we alice and oh, of wow. course we'll be doing our book to screen which will be covering the Color Purple by Alice Walker and the Spielberg film of the same name that was basically snubbed by the Oscars starring Whoopi Goldberg and Dan Danny Glover. And of course, next week, we'll also be doing our double feature. We'll be doing Doctor Who, Marco Polo. We have some special guests and some BBC people coming in to discuss the missing footage of Marco Polo. So, and of course, next month we will be covering Batman. We'll be returning, of course. We'll be covering four episodes. We'll be Feet of Clay, Part One and Part Two, Vendetta, and Fear of Victory. So, it's good night for myself and good night, Joe. Good night, everyone. Good night, Sean. Good night, everybody. Good night, Vix. Good night, everybody. And before we go, Mark, let's find out where we can find you on, <laughs> on all your various sites. Well, well, thank you for having me on. This has been a pleasure and an honor. Uh, as you can tell, I'm a Bat fan. And to get to talk with all you fine folks has been a real a fun time. Thank you very much. Uh, if if you're at all curious of my stuff, uh, specialmarkproductions.com. If you go there, there's a launching pad to all the stuff I do. Uh, I'm on TikTok. I do one minute reviews of wide release films. Those uh, get harrowing sometimes. Because I'm like, <laughs> dude, how do you do that in one place? <laughs> Oh, so I started that a while ago uh, in various forms. So I've got that. We're celebrating our 10th year of our podcast this year. Uh, as I mentioned, we're doing The Lady Vanishes. I've been 18 years on YouTube. Uh, I do movie reviews there. I have a short, few short series, a couple little fun little movies that I've done. Whatever comes to mind is on YouTube. But all of that you can launch from, from specialmarkproductions.com. There's links to everything. So... And we'll have all those links in our show notes. And of course, if you're a member of who gets our newsletter, we'll also have everything in our newsletter, which will be featuring everything quite heavily for all you people to join our newsletter. So, and it's good night for myself. And we'll talk to you next week when we deal with Castle Freak from 1995 and Castle Freak from 2021.